Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. If you look at the map of the United States, there's all that red in the middle where Trump won. I win the coasts, I win, you know, Illinois and Minnesota, places like that. But what the map doesn't show you is that I won the places that represent two-thirds of America's gross domestic product. So I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward, and his whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backwards. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm going to solve it. Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the, well, God darn, it's the 18th of March, Year of Our Lord, 2018. And that, once again, is Hillary Clinton. She then further went to say, white Republican women stopped voting for racist, misogynist candidates. 53% of you voted for Trump. That came from all our little followers. SE Cup, maybe that's because the female candidates sucked, but nobody really cares about that. Ryan Foreney, this is why Donald Trump is your president. Liberal tolerance at its finest. Um, CNN International, 
the way they covered it. Hillary Clinton told the receptive audience in India that while she thought President Donald Trump played some of America's worst fears, he did not reflect the country as a whole and said the U.S. did not deserve his presidency. She won't stop. She just won't stop. Her next thing was that a different thing. I won the places that represent two-thirds of America's gross domestic product. So I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward, and his whole campaign, Make America Great, was looking backwards. You know, you don't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, see the Indian Americans succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm going to solve it. And CNN tried to spite that like she did nothing wrong. During this trip, she fell twice. A third time, if you count the two times in a row. Fell in a bathtub. And as you can expect, zero coverage. Nobody covered her saying that. Zero. But S.E. Cup does our rebuttal. She won the coast, which is, you know, better than all those backwards in-between states. She won places that are diverse, which is, you know, better than places that aren't. She won places that are optimistic, which is, you know, better than places that have been struggling for decades. Got it. I'm sure Republicans are hoping Democrats frame the 2020 election just like that. Listen, the idea that anyone who voted for Trump doesn't think black people should have rights women should work, or Indian Americans should succeed is flat-out disgusting. And for everyone who rightly criticizes Trump for divisive rhetoric and us-versus-them politics, this is as divisive as it gets. And worse, it's calculated. Unlike Trump, she's actually thought about this stuff before it spills out of her mouth. So look, I'm no fan of everything Donald Trump says, does, or believes in. Everyone knows that. I didn't vote for either of these clowns. But thank God that lady is not our president. Because there is no more myopic, self-centered, self-righteous, unaccountable, and unrelatable political creature than Hillary Clinton. As Maya Angelou said, when someone reveals who they are, you believe them the first time. Plenty of us did. Many more should now. She nails it. I, I, I have to say, I've been watching the Civil War series by Ken Burns. And I haven't watched it a long time. I watched it when it originally aired in the 90s. And then I bought it and watched it, I think, about three or four years ago when I was still traveling. And I never finished it. I got to, like, episode eight, and then I shut it off. But over the last week, I've had some personal strife. Whenever you have personal strife or personal problems, and mine was work-related, you tend to go to comfort foods, if you're a fat guy like me, and eat stuff. And comfort shows. And today we'll be playing bumper music from the series because the Akabar's Farewell, the, 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 the soundtrack to this show was just beautiful. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing. And by the end of the series, which I finished last night, my wife fell asleep early. We're waiting for live PD. Um, we both work a lot, so we, we, we fall asleep. It just happens when you get older. And at the end of that, there were a lot of people on. They brought a lot of black historians and said the Civil War is still fighting because not everybody gets, you know, free rights and the same old shit liberals are saying. But it wasn't to this level we say it today. 
It was stating how they felt. But it wasn't saying half the country is fucking horrible and racist. But the biggest point that struck me is exactly what Hillary Clinton said. You know, the majority of the people that were Southerners didn't fight the Civil War for slaves. They didn't own slaves. The North, they believed, were attacking their life, and they fought. Of course, the slave owners, the politicians, they they fought for slavery. That was their livelihood, which is horrible. But the more I've lived in the South and the more I tend to feel I know the South, understand that I moved here in 1993. That's when I moved to South Carolina, which I hated. But um, I've now lived more of my life in the South than I've lived in the North. You listen to statements like Hillary Clinton's and you understand how perilously close we are to another civil war. Because there's forces from the coast, the north, east, that pressure the country to be what they are. And if you aren't what they are, they demean you, they punish you, and they say things like Hillary Clinton says. And not to sound like Alex Jones, it struck me, and I said this before on the show, that how close we are to another civil war with this guns push. And it wouldn't be south, north. It would be middle of the country, coasts. The people on the coast have gotten to a point where they believe they can tell the rest of the country how to live. Every one of their little itsy-bitsy demographic is more important than you. The 0.7% of people that have gender dysphoria and wake up every day not knowing whether they want to stand or pee or stand or sit peeing are more important than you. Your religion means nothing. Your family structure means nothing. That's why you see all the commercials with integrated families, at the least, to gay families selling detergent. It's almost getting to a point to most of these people, being the media, the Democrats, that if you're a traditional family with a mom and a dad and some kids and you believe in God and you watch shows like America's Funniest Videos and you discipline your kids, you put your kids to bed early, you don't let your kids have cell phones till they need it, you don't think it's cool for them dressing appropriately, you don't think it's cool for them to uh, go out and party... You're wrong. You're morally defect. I have hammered for two years how the left and the media hate people that believe in God. Because inherently within that is traditional values. They flip traditional values, as we'll see in the show, to be racist. We want to go back to where black people couldn't get a soda at the counter. And there were black-only fountains. Nobody's saying that. But because they need to push an agenda, that's what they say. That's what you're looking for. No, no, that's not what anybody's looking for. What Americans are looking for is a time where you can raise your family the way you are. You can believe in God and not be demeaned for it. And you can vote the way your conscience tells you without being told for two years that you're a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, 
and you're waiting for old days of old where blacks didn't have opportunities. It has nothing to do with it, Hillary Clinton. It has to do with the time where Americans were, had the right, the liberty, to set their own course and believe what they believe. States had the right to say whether gay marriage was okay based on votes. I think we are so close. I think this gun control stuff, if it ever for some reason gets in and Republicans feel pressure to capitulate, we are so close to another civil war in this country. It will not be over anything different than the first one. Until 1864, it wasn't about slavery. It was the right thing to do. I'm not saying in any way that fighting for slavery abolishment was the wrong thing. I'm just saying it wasn't about that. It started with ideals, principles that were being imposed on other states. They got sick of it. They succeeded. The North fought to reunite. And then it became about the Emancipation Proclamation. Lincoln knew he needed something to get the country to rally around a cause. And once he did, the war protest lessened. People had a common goal, abolishment of slavery. But now we could fight over the very same thing that started it. The coast, the Hillary Clintons who think half the country are deplorable, will push people until they'll be pushed no more. The election of Donald Trump was a referendum on whether we want to be a country that allows people to bully others into their worldview. Resoundingly, America said, go fuck yourself. But it hasn't abated. And right now, I don't know anybody who's not sick of this. I work with an American, Indian, African American. As far away from the xenophobic white man version that Hillary Clinton portrays. She gets as angry as I do about this subject. Our country was built on liberty. And as long as you weren't infringing on anybody else's rights, you could believe what the hell you wanted to believe. But they are perilously close to infringing on Americans' rights. And someday people are going to push back. Moving on from my rant. I just want to remind you up front that Pompeo in the beginning was a piece of fucking shit. And he was a Russian crackhead. And you're not reading that right now. The Republicans literally said they didn't find anything because there's nothing there. And the media lost their goddamn mind over it. Most of the most of the lefties and the people that were basically Hillary sycophants have gone crazy. And then once again, I want to remind you that Tillerson was a Russian puppet. But now Tillerson is being removed 
and the media loves Tillers. They're saying he's being removed because he's against Russia. Every conservative radio show I've listened to this week has said the same thing that I would say, and I have said on the show, the 80s are calling your foreign policy. They're calling you. Because right now, shy of nuclear war, nothing Trump does to Russia is good enough. They want to start a war, the Democrats, with Russia. They have to act that way, because if not, then this whole concept that he stole the election goes out the goddamn back door, which for most Americans already has, but of course our media, who are Democrats, want to keep pushing us. Chris Cuomo decided to do something about the president's vulgar language, and he did a poll on Twitter. The results were... Well, the question was, might, might the president's use of vulgar language affect your vote? <clears throat> 77% of America said, hell no. There are very few people that uh, watch Cuomo that aren't liberal, so you put that in your pipe and smoke it. Twitter has once again suspended a conservative. Um, Cr- Louder with Crowder was taken off Twitter and YouTube and removed. Um, there's nothing you can pin on that why they did it. But once again, with the Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google, MSDNC, all this shit. Oh, I'm sorry, MSN, uh, Microsoft. They all, in the name of looking against, you know, looking out for America and stopping them Russian trolls, arbitrarily shut off conservative media because they say it's hostile. And then they reinstate it. And a primer, which I want to go back to the primer for podcast. I think it's kind of cool up front. If you notice anybody follows the show, I do a little bit up front to kind of foreshadow the journey we're about to take. Um, This was an actual tweet to Dana Loesch. And I know I hammer this a lot because I'm proving the point how in n- n- <laughs> the lack of tolerance on the left is just beyond me. They're the people that push for that 0.7% and say it's so important to give those people rights while you're infringing on the rights of the 90 fucking 9.3% of the country. But the stuff said to Dana Loesch is, is just Horrible. And these are the people that will chew you up and spit you out if you say anything that could be remotely twisted as racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, or transphobic. And this is actually a tweet. Ken Krantz, that's a male, the Ken Krantz is his handle. I don't know if cancer AIDS is a thing, but I hope you get cancer AIDS. That is what the media, the left, and Hillary Clinton just portrayed. That's what they feel about their fellow Americans. Not because they're transphobic, homophobic, sexist, or xenophobic, and all this other shit. But because they've lived their lives different from them. It is a very uncivil society we're living in. So as we fire for effect, remember the next time you tune on CNN, cancer AIDS is something they wish on you.
Politicians on this issue don't do anything out of conscience. They only do it out of consequence. The kids are compelling. We're not used to seeing a group of victims that play to your sympathy and can act intelligently and make arguments the way they, they did. But it was true then, and it is true today. Nothing will change unless the politicians who fight change get punished for fighting change, and those who push for change get rewarded. For pushing the White House tonight, President Trump revealing his plan for gun safety, and critics are now asking about a promise he made that is not in the proposal. Also at this hour, breaking news from the White House on the Russia investigation. We have it all involving what a committee in the House is now saying. Here's ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl. Less than two weeks ago, President Trump boldly declared he's not afraid to take on the NRA. Some of you people are petrified of the NRA. You can't be petrified. But now the president seems to have caved entirely to the gun lobby on school safety. The most glaring example, raising the minimum age to buy an assault weapon. So let's get to Jonathan Carl live at the White House tonight. And John, some of the lawmakers in that meeting that day with the president are now responding to this. In fact, Dianne Feinstein, who sat right next to the president and seemed pleased with what he said back then, looks at this new proposal and calls it a shameful abdication of the president's responsibility to lead, adding, shame on you, Mr. President. But now, despite denials from the White House, it's the president who appears to be bending to the NRA, whose leaders he hosted here one day after that televised call to action. On raising the age limit to purchase firearms, President Trump today tweeting, not much political support, to put it mildly. The idea instead simply under review by a soon-to-be-formed commission on school safety, headed by Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, with no clear timeline. Now, I was remiss in my intro because I was stuck on Bastion Hillary Clinton, but that was a walkout. So, of course, that happened this week, and that, that was your intro sounds. It went from Hillary to a walkout where they stomped the shit out of the flag. And as we'll find at the end of this, this is no different than anything that's progressive. They, it was an indoctrination. Whether kids wanted to or not, they had to. And if you were conservative, we will see that they were pulled out. They were not allowed to go out there with the conservative signs. But there was damage, assaulting cops, fucking trash and flags, blocking highways. It was exactly what Obama taught these kids to do with his Black Lives Matters organization that he supported so very much. It was hooliganism. The signs we will see were very pointed. It was a crock of fucking shit. Shane Goldmacher, Cuomo joins an Enough is Enough chant with students and laid on the ground, embarrassed the living shit out of himself as he tried to be one of the people. All right. Steph, 93065, my daughter on the walkout. There was not one sign about the 17 dead teenagers. On All the signs were about guns. The school sent home a notice to us last week that it was not political, but just a remembrance. Liberals always lie. 
Chet Cannon. High school kids, you should be able to vote also. The Second Amendment isn't meant, meant to protect our citizens. Demilitarize the police. Give us our reparation. And those are exactly signs. Signs kids were caring. Sign I just saw. CNN, NRA, KKK, USA. As Kurt Schiltzer says, they hate you. Cameron Gray's observation. We don't want to ban guns. Also gun control activists, ban guns. Scott Weiner. I'm so proud of my fifth grade nephew for participating in the walkout in New York City. And no, he isn't the one carrying the sign. But I do love that sign. And it was a horrible sign. Lefty said, this is, these signs are everything. ABC News, student chant, hey, hey, NRA, how many kids did you kill today at Trump Tower? These signs that I just mentioned were noticed by so many people at so many. Give us our reparations. March for wait, what are we marching for, was somebody said. Donald Trump, if your place of work is a gun-free zone, then why is it mine? That was from Chicago. Chicago students rally in Daly Plaza. They're demanding funding for public schools, legislation that addresses gun violence, and to end to funding for cops. Our city don't love us, and now it's time to hold them accountable. No cop academy. National student walkout. So the cops are bad, too. Kids these days, some kids wearing t-shirts say that fund communities defund police. And they were marching on City Hall. They're just tools for political movements right now. Uh, at least if students are going to push for police changes, they need to understand that A, money doesn't grow on trees, B, this city is limited in the laws they can pass, and C, just because they demand something doesn't mean it's going to happen. Hashtag stay in school, somebody said. Um... They flipped off Trump Tower. Uh, they were allowed to say, fuck Trump. Nobody stopped them. They thought that was fucking good. Uh, a conservative millennial, Alan Beth Stuckey, even as a 2A advocate, I couldn't, I could have almost given kudos to the National Walk out today, kids for protesting something they believe in, until I saw kids holding signs likening the KKK to the NRA in USA and burning the flag. Why does gun control advocacy equal hating America? It's a good question. Why? Student teachers and politicians, because of course, are taken to the streets. Jim Tretcher, you should be marching in front of Broward County Sheriff and the FBI. You should be turning your backs on them. They're the ones who failed you. National walkout day. Mm-hmm. Ryan Savadra. 45 calls made the school's home, shooter's home, two calls made to the FBI, attacked parents, classmates, took bullets, knives to school, suicidal behavior on social media, called cops on himself, threatened to kill people, expelled for violence, but sure, blame the NRA, guns, and the GOP. A kid, no J-R-O-T-C in school, it was a code pink front, they pushed that. Oliver Campbell are they trying to shit on the JROTC now? I suggest they stay the fuck out of my wheelhouse. He was a former cadet. Hmm. Other ones. Inconspicuous Rex. My neighbor's pissed. The school is making his kids walk out. They're nine and seven. <clears throat> Some of them were forced. 
Lewis Beckett. Total silence outside this elementary school with more than 60 students protesting and dozens of parents watching. Only sound is posters flapping in the wind. That made more sense to me. So there were some civility some places, but in blue states and blue cities, I think this adds it up. They are props. An elementary school student doesn't care about the politics surrounding firearms. They care about the promise of more chocolate milk with school lunches. I think that's pretty true. Space Force. Oh, this is whatever. Alex Griswold. Look, I can buy the high schoolers across country are deciding on their own to take a stand on political issues, but this is pathetic. CBS News. There is no compromise. We are not seeking a Republican solution or Democratic solution, Maryland students said. We're seeking an American solution. The media, as you see, pushed nothing but positives. They never showed any negatives. They didn't show the signs. They never do. Yesterday was National Walkout Day, and one such walkout took place at New Prague High School in New Prague, Minnesota. Student carrying a sign reading, guns don't kill people, people kill people, caught the attention of the principal, according to one student. Kids at our school today walked out in honor of 17 students killed in Florida. Students held a sign that said, arm our teachers. They had two signs. A student walked out with a saying a word, peacefully put up a sign which said, guns don't kill people, people kill people. He was escorted off the property by our principal and threatened to be put into a police car. This violates the First Amendment. It makes me sick that they can do whatever they want. Please make this go viral. It was Ryan Savandra. And here is the soundbite. Oh, you don't? Yeah, we do. On the Supreme, policy, Supreme Court. 505. So once again, if this was a organic grassroot walkout, why were kids not allowed to be opposed to gun control? And that's just one of many. You can go on Twitter, you can see him for yourself. Media's not going to cover it, but it was forced. Kids were forced. It was one view, whatever the teacher wanted. Other highlights, Shannon Watts, and once again, it's moms against guns and Republicans. She pushed this big thing about an 18-year-old could buy this. And it's a scary-looking weapon that's a 22 long rifle. It's not an AR. But she has no fucking clue because she doesn't know anything about it. And once again, people are asking, well, if it's not about repealing the Second Amendment, NPR, what would it take to repeal the Second Amendment? Rolling, t- Rolling Stones, why it's time to repeal the Second Amendment? The Hive, Kurt Eichenwald, let's repeal the Second Amendment. New York Times, repeal the Second Amendment by Brett Stevens. Washington Post, repeal the Second Amendment. And if you watch CNN, it's repeal the Second Amendment. That's what about. That's what it about. Connecticut governor, NRA, there's blood on their hands. He's allowed to come on every TV show, say it over and over. Beto O'Rourke says we should ban. I could give a shit what the NRA thinks about the Second Amendment rights of Americans. That's exactly what he said. That's now for Ted Cruz to use. Move On was pushing this walkout. We don't need ideas. We need actions. We need election, action from our elected officials. And we need action from the civic public, sub-public because without that, this isn't going to happen. David Hogg, it was a flyer that they handed out. They emailed and they put all over the place. There's no ideas. 
You shut your fucking mouth, gun owner. You have no opinion. It's like gay marriage. It's like transgender rights. Shut your fucking mouth. Alyssa Milano, guns are the third leading cause of death for U.S. children. No child should die from preventable cause. Actually, it's assault homicide. CDC never actually mentions the word guns. Nice try. Dana Loesch, anti-gun advocates are angry when their incorrect use of terminology is commented upon. Learn more about the things you want to ban. Behind a block, Shannon Watts. Why does Dana Loesch refer to the NRA as a fellowship? Why do NRA lobbyists call gun violence prevention advocates anti-gun? Why is the NRA advocating for so-called Hearing Protection Act instead of calling it what it actually is? A federal bill to deregulate silencers that's all been debunked. It's not right. It's all bullshit. It's just bullshit. They have gone down so much that the following soundbite is The Daily Show, calling Dana Dracula, and Joy Reid. Guns are racist, and they're owned by deplorable, evil people, and the evil machines, and this this is where we're at, and some more kids shit. iHeartRadio, and Eminem now, a guy who's been arrested for gun violations, uh, running his cock trap. And now the most important rule of all, Hollywood, please hire us. Wait, uh, what? Yeah, every conservative secretly longs to be in Hollywood. If you liberals had just given Trump half an Emmy, he never would have run for president. And he's not the only one. Most conservative pundits tried and failed to make it in Hollywood. Like how Fox and Friends' Brian Kilmeade did stand up for 11 years, not to make it as a comedian, but rather to aid his memorization skills. Yeah, yeah. Good cover, Kilmeade. Or take Dana Lash, who tried to get her own sitcom, failed, and now she's the NRA's gun-toting Draculess. Come on, Hollywood, let us in! We can't end up like them! Greg Gutfeld is a 53-year-old man who thinks he's a little rascal. And Jesse Waters looks like he went to Duke on an Axe Body Spray Scholarship. Save us, Hollywood! Save us, please! Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp, everyone, the fight continues. Yeah, and David Jolly, our last word to you on sure. this, because the NRA has sort of aligned itself with the so-called alt-right. They've made it uh, a cultural issue. Um, they've been sent signals that it is these sort of scary brown people that you need to arm yourself for civil war against. And it's really crazy messaging. That next generation, very multiracial, very multicultural. They're not uh, interested in that message. Does yeah. your party understand that this utter alignment with the NRA is actually long-term dangerous? Dick Sporting does do it pretty well, uh, having walked I, away from them. Walmart, Delta, doing pretty well. I think if you study the word and deed of most Republicans, no, they don't understand. Look, the NRA has successfully indoctrinated today's generation of Republican leaders in Congress. But you're right, the next generation is going to be different. What we don't know, Joy, is what side deals were struck. And what I say about that is we know going into November the NRA and Rick Scott will still be buddy-buddy. If you look at what the NRA did yesterday, they did not hit Rick Scott hard. They hit the bill hard, but they didn't lay a real hard glove on Rick Scott because they know they need him long run. The very encouraging thing, the lessons out of what we saw in Florida right now is first, states can lead where Washington fails to. Second, citizens can lead. I think we'll see assault weapons ban on the on the ballot in Florida as a constitutional amendment in probably 2020. But finally, what we saw is if you, you are a Republican today not speaking about more reasonable gun control, you're out of step with where the body politic is. Well, they have really segued into a, a pretty overt 
cultural argument and, and a sort of quasi-ethnic argument. They're appealing basically to the same kind of people Donald Trump is trying to appeal to when he says Mexicans are rapists, right? And that gangs are running rampant through the country and that you need to be afraid of them all the time. Uh, you know, we obviously understand who that argument is based, you know, is, is, is sort of directed at. Um, but does it make a lobby more effective when they essentially become a fringe group? No. I mean, I think the reality is the world of the NRA is, is closing in on them, and, and they are retracting. They are getting smaller. And this is why they're jumping to such extreme lengths here. I mean, Joy, every weekend you provide a forum to have an enlightened, elevated conversation about public policy in the discourse of this country. And their response to that is to directly call you out by name and effectively put a target on your back. We've seen now that there are plenty of disturbed people in this country who have unchecked access to weapons, and they're putting out the call that they basically want them to take matters into their own hands. If something happens to anybody in the media, to anyone that they've named, Check to anyone that they've called out in these propaganda videos. The NRA has blood on their hands. It is their fault. What they are doing, using these, they, they put out another video the other day where they referred to Mika Brzezinski, one of your colleagues at MSNBC, as a mm -hmm. sexy anchor to try to diminish her speaking out against gun violence in America. These are the tactics that they use, whether it's violence or blatant sexism, to try to diminish the voices of people who are responsibly reporting on the terrible effects of gun violence in America. The facts aren't on their side. The reason why you don't see any facts, any substance in these ads, is because all of the measures are against them. Even if you look at polling of gun owners, the majority of whom actually support responsible gun reform in this country, but they don't want to talk about that say the resort to these kind of tactics to try to raise hysterics, to try to change the debate, to create that cultural war. And at the end of the day, what I'm afraid of, what I think is most dangerous and disturbing, is that there's going to be some demented, deranged person who is an NRA devout follower who will take them literally and try to take matters into their own hands. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate concern. Is they're afraid of our government, which yeah. doesn't ring very true with me. It's an unrealistic fear. And yeah. um, and very sexist. I've been called every name in the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not as if they're not being told that. Uh, and Dana Loesch, just to think, just a few years ago, she was selling super beet juice. And now she's <laughs> selling fear and terror. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about the teachers arming, arming staff, you know, they stress the fact that it's voluntary. I grew up in the panhandle of Florida. The people that you really don't want having guns in school are the people who really, really want to have guns in school. Yeah, and I, I want to amplify that point just by playing Cynthia Stafford, uh, State Representative Cynthia Stafford from Miami, uh, making the furthering the point about why it is so dangerous, the idea of arming uh, people in the classroom. Take a listen. I believe this is dangerous because there is an implicit bias that exists against boys and girls of color. I am afraid that in an emergency situation, a black or brown student who may be running down the hall to get away like everyone else, who reaches for his or her cell phone to call their parent, may be seen not as a student, but as the shooter.
And I want to amplify that point that that is not why the NRA opposed the bill. They're suing because they're upset that teenagers can't buy AR-15s. That is what they say is wrong with the bill. They don't care about that. They just care about the fact that they think, in, in their view, teenage girls should be able to buy it because they don't commit mass shooting. Pretty incredible. Uh, David, I want to go to you on this because the point that the people who want guns the most and are the most vociferous and really extremist about this uh, tend to be people who you think, yeah, that is a person I'd like to see restricted. You were threatened. Um, according to the Tampa Bay Times, by a man on, who went on Twitter and called for you to be shot, a 55-year-old Clearwater man who's now been arrested, angered by the fact that you have strayed from the orthodoxy uh, of the Republican Party. Do you see that kind of extremism actually now whipsawing on the NRA and hurting them because they're associated with people that crazy? Sure, it should, and it's a product of 20 years of absolutism by the NRA. The NRA has sort of aligned itself with the so-called alt-right. They've made it uh, a cultural issue. Um, they've been sent signals that it is these sort of scary brown people that you need to arm yourself for civil war against, and it's really crazy messaging. Yeah. That next generation, very multiracial, very multicultural. They're not uh, interested in that message. Does yeah. your party understand that this utter alignment with the NRA is actually long-term dangerous? Dick Sporting Goods doing pretty well, uh, having walked uh, away from them. Walmart, Delta, doing pretty well. I think if you study the word and deed of most Republicans, no, they don't understand. Look, the NRA has successfully indoctrinated today's generation of Republican leaders in Congress. But you're right, the next generation is going to be... All right, so we'd like to take a moment to introduce to you Alex Moscou. All right, he's a lacrosse goalie. He's a member of the Drama Club. He is a sophomore who survived the attack by a gunman at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, killing 17 people. Make some noise for him. Alex would like to say a few words himself, though. Thanks, Sean. On February 14th, a gunman armed with a legally purchased semi-automatic rifle murdered 17 people at my high school, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, in Parkland, Florida. We're tired of hearing politicians send their thoughts and prayers to us and doing nothing to make the necessary changes to prevent this tragedy from happening again. School is a place where we should feel safe. And if those elected to represent us won't do what's right to keep us safe, then we're going to be too loud for them to ignore. We're marching in Washington, D.C. on March 24th for all of our fellow students and for the victims and survivors of gun violence in every community, from New Orleans to Chicago, Baltimore or Detroit, wherever you are. We hope you will join us. Go to MarchForOurLives.com to RSVP today. If you're unable to make it to D.C., you can join one of the 600 marches being planned in every state across this country and even around the world. Yes. I'll be marching in Washington, D.C., representing Shine MSD. This will be a march for our lives. We are MSD Strong. Make some noise one more time for him. Thank you, Alex. All right, well, let's do this together. Uh, let's introduce this next performer. So in 1999, my mom bought me, okay, his first CD from Costco. It was a Slim Shady LP, and he's been a legend ever since. So repping my hometown in Detroit, make some noise for the rap god himself, Eminem, featuring Kaylani. 
I'm with the road with gunmen. Sometimes I don't know what this world has come to. It's blowing up. This whole country is going nuts. And in our ways, in our way, they're responsible for this whole production. They hold the strings to control the puppets. They threaten to take away donor bucks So they know the government won't do nothing And no one's punching gun owners clutching their loaded weapons They love their guns more than our children I think another one just in it in our building It will be uh, let me get your reaction, uh, and, and first let me start with you, David. Uh, what do you think of this latest proposal from the White House to create this Blue Ribbon Commission run by the Education Secretary to study all these sensitive matters, including raising the age limit down the road? I think it's a good step to make sure that we are taking action. I'm glad to see that. But I think it's also important to realize that Betsy DeVos basically paid for her position. She doesn't really have any experience in this area. She doesn't support public schools. She paid over $200 million just to get this title. And I think that she's not the right person for this. I think if we went to the DOJ and had a special commission that way, perhaps, it would be a better process to investigate these incidences. And if I guess investigate them like almost an airplane crash, where we spend months on end researching how this stuff happened. And another thing is we can't do that because the CDC isn't allowed to do research into these areas because of the Dickey Amendment. And because of the lobbying of the NRA on Trump, I'm glad to see that he did take action and he seemed to take a lot of steps in the right direction. But then once he met with the NRA, he showed that he's no better than all the other politicians because he's owned by them too. And it just shows the inaction because of these, this lobbyist organization that's continued to terrorize our children and hurt our future. And I know what the NRA likes to do, it, the people at the top of the NRA like to do, is they like to hide behind the Second Amend Amendment and say that this is our constitutional right, we're Americans. And what they're really trying to do is say, let us sell you more guns at an even younger age, put more people at risk, scare more people, cause more violence, kill more people, and sell more guns. If you look at all the other countries like, like Canada, like Sweden, and so many others that are first world countries and are places that have more developed gun laws and are more restrictive on gun ownership and see it more as a privilege rather than a right, they allow people to own guns just in a way more controlled way and make sure that they're still allowed to own them in a responsible and respectable way. A lot to unpack there, but once again, this is the left. When you don't agree with them, they must demean you and call you deplorable and you're evil because you own those guns, call you Dracula, and then you have the kids saying what you can or can't do. Because they're liberal too. They get taught that they have the right to do everything. It's so pervasive with the left. This has nothing to do with guns. But this is our media and the left right now. They believe they can bully everybody into believing, saying, articulating what they want. It's their worldview. And this is Casey Hunt talking to a congressman. And I want you to hear what she tells him. When you're the victim of fake news, uh, and when someone's writing... We don't use the term fake news on the show. Okay, we well, well, however you want to say it. Inaccurate news, let's say inaccurate news. We don't use that term. I can tell you what to say. I'm the word police. Yet you just heard a litany of them just demeaning people, calling them Dracula, attacking Devos. She should be fired tomorrow and forced to get a job doing something within her intellectual skill set, like cleaning houses. That's Peter Gammon. He joined the kids and said a sexist remark. It's okay. AG, a guy on Twitter, 
Hawk smears people he disagrees with politically every single time he appears on TV, and yet CNN continues to give him a platform every few days without challenging him on it. It's ridiculous, and CNN is complicit in the smears. Either treat him like an adult and hold him accountable for the things he says, or don't invite him on. It's that simple. Every time he's on, he says horrible shit. Matt Walsh, they just bring this ignorant, attention-craving kid on to slander everyone they don't like. The act is getting really old, really fast. Anna Charwa. This is a child giving his opinion on an adult's ability to do a job which he has never done. Seriously, when did we start listening to our kids when it comes to adult making decisions? Somebody else. It's, he's totally not a Democrat mouthpiece, just an authentic kid. I mean, he's passing out things which you can say or not say. The whole, can we debate this as... Not as Democrats or Republicans, can we just discuss as Americans. In the comments, if you see what someone you disagree with, do not attack each other. Talk one another. This applies to me, too. We must work together to save our future. Everybody says, this guy attacks everybody. Who the? F- but that's them. They pull out and they go, oh, I'm above the fray. I'm a good people. Ryan Savandro, also David Hogg, the NRA are child murderers. Attacks Trump, Scott, and defends Sheriff. Pushes only Democrat talking points. Attacks FedEx Chairman Fred Smith for using Repub- being a Republican donor. Either you're with Democrats on guns, renewables, net neutrality, and Citizens United. You're a child murderer. We need to work together. My response. You call me and my wife, who are both NRA members, terrorists. You attack Betsy DeFost, a very resist move. You say I'm either with you or your abolishment of TUA or against. You are supported by Move On. Yeah, no, dude. When this is a blue-red fight, when you took the script from every town, and I posted it, the every town script. Hi, my name is blank, and I live blank. I need, I don't need a response. I'm calling to urge blank to take action on gun safety and support the movement to pass common sense gun laws. We deserve a limited country where everyone, particularly children, can live without the fear of gun violence in their schools, their homes, and their communities. I am also calling to let blank know that if blank does not work to pass common sense gun laws, I'll be working to vote blank out of office. Thank you for your time. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. But Kyle Kashev, who's met lefties, righties, everybody, he's just gone up and talked to the Capitol. He's ignored. CNN doesn't bring him up because he says, arm the schools, prove background checks, raise the age, but don't abolish the gun. But it's about abolishment. I, sorry, indigestion. I had a thing about, um, Sarah. Well, fuck it. I'm gonna play this. This was a triggering moment this week by Sarah Huckabee Sanders. First, hardening our schools. We will ensure our schools are safe and secure, just like our airports, stadiums, and government buildings, with better training and preparedness. So putting out their policy somehow is wrong. Here's Chris Saliza. So Sarah Sanders playing the blame for not raising the age limit on gun purchases on an idea there is enough support for it in Congress. 
That's not laying blame, Chris. That's how it works. See, there are three branches of government. You know what? We should just give him a copy of Government for Dummies. Lily sat here and reread the words over and over again. We can't change a law because Congress doesn't support changing a law. And this is the what befuddles Chris. Why don't the why won't the executive branch branch pass laws that lack congressional support? They are so stuck on the Obama way that they can do it. They can just do it. They can do whatever they want. It. it it's almost, almost too much to handle sometimes. To close out the guns, we're going to play the media coverage of the walkout, which you can expect was, oh, these brave, brave kids. And then we're going to close with a video that the Twitter, is all over Twitter, liberals love it. It is Guns Explained with Cats. I want you to understand, even with the cats and the sideshow jerkery and the com- comedy that's within it, it's still the same thing. I'm going to tell you how to live your life, shut your fucking mouth, and give up your gun, you fucking deplorable. And a new soundbite, you're fucking stupid, on the backside as we go into DACA. Good evening and thank you for joining us. It was an unprecedented and powerful display that unfolded across the country today. From Maine to California, Alaska to Parkland, Florida, where one month ago, from the depths of tragedy, a movement was born. As the clock struck 10 a.m., students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and thousands of schools nationwide left their classrooms to honor the victims of school gun violence and to demonstrate in support of stricter gun laws, a moment that spanned the intersection of learning and politics. Our Gabe Gutierrez has details. Today, across the country, the loudest lesson was outside the classroom. Good evening, and it's great to have you with us here on a very busy Wednesday night, and we begin tonight with the powerful images playing out across this country today, just as a difficult scene played out inside a Florida courtroom at the same time. Tens of thousands of students staging a massive coordinated protest against gun violence one month after the shooting rampage killed 17 people at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. From Parkland to Littleton, Colorado to Evanston, Illinois. Students at Eagle Rock High School in Los Angeles with a moment of silence standing right there behind 17 empty chairs. Good evening. We're going to begin tonight with walkouts across the country as a suspect appears in court in Florida. Hundreds of thousands of high school students left schools for at least 17 minutes, one minute for each of the people killed in Parkland one month ago today. At the U.S. Capitol, students were joined by some House and Senate leaders. The national walkout was inspired by the students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, and Adriana Diaz is there tonight. A sea of students streamed out of the school behind a national movement. The CNN town hall I thought was a huge step backwards. I felt bad for for the way it was handled. I thought it was really inappropriate. And I want to have more conversations that are civil, which I will tip our hat. We do a good job of that on this show. And I just wish that I don't also want, if you're a student that's more like Kyle, if you don't want to walk out, and it's not that you're, no one is for gun violence. These who are getting the most attention at Parkland are the ones that are very, very vehemently anti-NRA, very vehemently. But that's, uh, not, what, but, but that's not what this is. Let's just to what this particular march is today. It's mm-hmm. the students raising their voices saying, we need your help. 
That's what they're saying. They're not saying that it, 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 it's not political. They're not saying it's these people, these people. They're saying there's an issue and no one is listening. I just think we are in a place. I disagree with Sonny. I, I, I don't think yes. AR-15s should be banned at all. I yes. people who hunt with them. And I just... Again, I, I just wish there was a little more. To me, any protest like this, and I respect the kids that are doing it, obviously, because I believe in political activism and I believe in your First Amendment, but it gets caught up a lot in anti-Second Amendment, anti-NRA. That's not what they, that's not what it, these we, guys well, are saying. We just and had AR-15s being banned brought up on this panel. The Second Amendment is not all she's inclusive. Listen, uh, this is know, not, it's not, you know, it actually these is. kids, no, it's not. <laughs> the kids actually, are marching. I learned different. Excuse me. <laughs> Kids are marching outside because they feel they're being cut down. If you're still not sure what to do about guns, let me explain it to you using this awful cat. Now, before we start, we can all agree that banning cats won't get rid of all cats. And that a majority of people that do own cats are good people. Not every cat is an awful cat. And I happen to love a cute, cuddly cat. Ah, oh, look at you. So cute. Such a cute little kitty. Ah, stupid awful cat. Ah! That was an awful cat. And that is what we're here to talk about. Let's say you're at the movies or church or school when out of nowhere, a cat pops up and claws you in the face. <coughs> Suddenly, you might want to do something about this awful cat. Now, I live on a street that had one awful stray cat. And when no one did anything about it, one cat turned into dozens and they were all clawing people in the face. And it's all because my neighbor, the crazy cat lady, Mrs. Nra, was leaving out giant piles of treats for cats. So you explained to your neighbor that maybe it would be okay to have a couple rules for these cats. Now you would hope that a good neighbor would understand. But she freaks out and yells at you that you're trying to ban all cats. And you're just like, hey, I just don't want to get clawed in the face. I'm not banning anything. And they tell you maybe if you had your own cat, you'd feel better about it. And you say, I do have a cat. It's that cute cuddly one in my window. That's not the problem. The problem is these... So as you can see, we have a cat problem. And all anyone wants is to put some rules in place to stop the excessive amount of awful cats on the street. But instead, I'm looking out my window and seeing even bigger, scarier lions, tigers, cheetahs, and AR-15. That's not the same as a regular cat. But my crazy cat lady neighbor wants you to think it's okay for everybody to own a cheetah. What? No. Would you stop it, Mrs. Draw? Really? And sure, there are people out there with the proper knowledge and training to understand the responsibilities of owning a cheetah, but when the cheetahs keep ending up in schools clawing kids in the face, I don't think the answer is to put more cheetahs in the school. And I don't think the best way to buy a cheetah is to walk into Petco and go, hey, I want a cheetah. Oh, okay, here you go. And I think we all can agree that it's impossible to get rid of all cats. Which is good, because there's tons of cute, cuddly ones. But let's make some rules that limit and prevent how many awful cats wind up on our street. Less awful cats means less people clawed in the face. Sure, they still might get attacked by a dog or abducted by aliens, but let's handle this one problem at a time. And while this won't solve all cat problems, there's a good chance it'll help with a lot. Like, they had a similar cat problem over on Australia Street. And after they put rules in place, good people... People still own good cats, but no one has gotten clawed in the face in over 20 years. And to all the teenagers on my street that are fed up with that cat lady, I'm 
really proud of you for being so brave. So I hope that explains to you the problem we're having with guns. Now I have a feeling that the comments on this video are gonna get a little out of hand. If you see that, could you help me out? Direct the conversation back to what laws can we put in place to get less guns in the hands of wrong people. It's important and something we should talk about constructively. How can we stop Mrs. Nra? She's a good lady, she's just a little too into her cats. Maybe we could get her to be interested in a new American pastime, like give everyone on the street free apple pie. <laughs> There's a rally on March 24th in Washington, D.C., and I would love it if you could attend. I'll have all that information down below. That said, we'll be back to the regularly scheduled video. That's fucking stupid. That's stupid! You're stupid! Stop being stupid! That's stupid. That's a stupid decision. That could only be made by a stupid idiot. What are you, fucking stupid? Yeah, that's a real song. I found it on YouTube. You're fucking it's the silliest thing I ever thought. But anyway. DACA. CNN compares ICE deportation and Nazi roundups of Jews. Large article. I just want to condense it down. They literally brought a girl down on, or a woman on, that had lived through it and was saying how similar these ICE raids are. And that's why the church is protecting illegals. And that's how far CNN will go for DACA. Yeah. Angel family wants to see Oakland mayor prosecuted for thwarting ICE raids. Uh, and their parents that lost their kids to illegal immigrants. ICE seeks illegal immigrant in Colorado, fatal hit and run, who bonded out of jail. And then this article from Slate. Abolishing ICE looks likely to become 2020 campaign issue for Democrats. They want to literally block it. And I think it has more to do with the next thing I found. Florida man avoids millions in taxes by hiding illegal aliens from payroll. I think that's what it's about, folks. It's votes and that. Their economies are built along illegals. It's how they function. And I think these blue states just don't want to give these people up because it saves everything. Retirement funds, the whole nine yards. You don't have to pay these people shit. It's a way of life. When you don't have to do I-9 verify because your state's a sanctuary state like in California, people are making millions off this by just not doing the right thing. Video of alleged human smuggler taken by ICE in front of daughter becomes press obsession. But they don't tell the truth, which is she was a smuggler. They ignore it. They just ignore it. Joy Reid still going on about Miss MS-13, which most Americans who don't mainline Fox News likely never heard of, has been mentioned tonight more than Russia. Actually, the Russia have been mentioned at all. The crowd will believe anything he says. You should just tell them the wall has already been built and Obamacare was repealed. Problem solved. MS-13 are the new Black Panthers. A phantom boogeyman Trumpism will fear objectively without ever actually encountering. Jake Tapper simultaneously tweets this. MS-13 is taking over our school. But that's Joy Ann Reed. She's on a network that, you know, hey. When we go fucking left, we go all the fucking way left, man. We go deep on this shit. So the fight continues. Our next follow-up, 
of course, is gotta be Farrakhan. Congressman, I, I want to give you a chance to clarify uh, some reports that you have been connected to over the last several weeks. That in 2013, you met with uh, the leader of the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan, here in New York City, along with uh, the, the leader of Iran. Did you, in fact, attend a meeting with Farrakhan? Yeah, well, let me just say again, this is the Daily Caller, another fringe uh, right-wing uh, uh, tabloid, I guess, who keeps putting this out. All right, let's play for everyone uh, what uh, the president's former chief strategist, uh, Steve Bannon, said. Uh, this was at um, in front of a, a far-right group in France. Let's listen. Let them call you racist. Let them call you xenophobes. Let them call you nativists. Wear it as a badge of honor. Racist, xenophobe, wear it as a badge of honor. Uh, Siraj, he's out at, at Breitbart. He's been banished from the president's inner circle. What's the potency of a Steve Bannon um, run like we just saw there? What is the value that he offers now to this conversation? Right now, not that much. I mean, considering the fact that he's been basically expelled from the White House, the Trump circle, Breitbart. I mean, unless he starts his own media company, which he has talked about doing and even buying Newsweek, Right now, his relevancy is next to none. However, we also can't ignore the fact that there's extremism on both sides of the aisle. And just in the last week, we've seen you know, co-organizers co of the Women's March, as well as several Democrats, and their connections to Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan and his racist and anti-Semitic views. I mean, we, we just have to make sure there's a line of consistency that when we see particular individuals who are espousing racist and extremist views, we have to be on our on our toes and denounce them. Errol, you know, it's an important was, point, and was, I think we should have that conversation, ahead. but I don't know that any president has invited uh, Louis Farrakhan into the White House to be his chief strategist. But I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I hear your point. Was, I mean, Barack Obama was pictured with him in 2005 as when he was a senator, and that only revealed was resurfaced uh, in the last few weeks. That's so like, true. That is that's, true. I mean, th those are questionable connections. And it is questions and conversations we should, we should certainly have, but but Louis Farrakhan never had an office in the West Wing. That's a new angle. Steve Bannon's worse. Okay. Sean King, I want you to see this tweet in all three photos for context. Look quote closely. What I want you to understand is that while it's true for many of you that Louis Farrakhan represents bigotry, this man's love of him has obviously nothing to do with his anti-Semitism or bigotry. They are spinning this. New York Times, why is Louis Farrakhan back in the news? Omits Ellison, Carson, and four others. Washington Post throws four Pinocchios, a deputy DNC chair, on claims of no meetings with Farrakhan. There's pictures, dude. Why, why would you go with that? Jake Tapper highlights Farrakhan outrage as rest of the media snoozes. Nobody's covered it. And if they have, it's that shit you just heard. Well, Trump's worse, so who gives a shit? Third highest ranked Dem civil rights hero appeared with Farrakhan, won't condemn, that's James Clyburn. He bring, he's brought out every time we have a race issue somewhere in this country. They whip out him, and they never say that he actually hangs out with somebody worse than David Duke. Huh. I wonder why. Oh, 
because they're liberals. So that's our fire for effect. I'm trying to shorten it down. It's usually way long. We're going to go to a music break and come back into tweets of the day. Hate tweets, hypocrisy, stats, and joy.
Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reese. tweets of the day and i wanted to do something positive and for the record i've taken all these down they're, they're getting way too big as we go into a week but james woods love this guy he singled out gary sinise and for those who are new to the show i actually met him as a great guy i got a picture with him and my wife he's got his hand on my wife who's in a sexy red dress on the lower back, and it looks like Lieutenant Dan's making a move, and I'm Forrest Gump, because somehow I was like six, seven inches away from the guy, so it looks like they're together and not me. It's really bizarre, but whatever. He singled them out and said the Gary Sinise Foundation has been helping our military heroes adjust to combat injuries, help provide homes, and on and on. There's no finer man I know than Gary Sinise. He took this brilliant performance as Lieutenant Dan and turned it into a life of service. Join him in his work. And that is a great tweet. But our tweet of the day is Arlington VA. Daylight savings time starts this weekend. Cox are turned forward one hour early Sunday morning. Yes, that's a real tweet. And it is our tweet of the day. Make sure your damn cocks are turned forward. What do you make of that idea? Would you be willing to take a DNA test to, to put this issue to rest? Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you a little bit about my family. Let me tell you the story of my family. My mother and dad were born and raised in Oklahoma. My mom and dad were born and raised out in Oklahoma. My mother and daddy were born and raised in Oklahoma. My father fell in love with my mother when they were both still teenagers. My daddy was in his teens when he fell in love with my mother. My daddy first saw my mother when they were both teenagers. A beautiful girl who played the piano. Tall, quiet girl who played the piano. He was just head over heels over her. And he was head over heels in love with her. Head over but his family was bitterly opposed to their relationship and his family was bitterly opposed to that but his family was bitterly opposed to their relationship because she was part Native American because she was part Native American because she was part Native American my parents eloped they eventually eloped they survived <coughs> the Great Depression they survived the Dust Bowl they survived the Great Depression the Dust Bowl they went through a lot of hard times a lot of knocks they raised three boys my older brothers all of whom went off to the military they raised my three brothers all of whom headed off to the military they hung together for 63 years they hung together for 63 years I know who I am because of what my mother and my father told me from our mom and our dad what my grandmother and my grandfather told me from our grandparents what all my aunts and uncles told me from all of our aunts and uncles it's a part of who I am 
and no one's ever going to take that away. It's a part of me, and nobody's going to take that part of me away. That is Elizabeth Warren, of course, and she's in the news again because the media wanted to bring it in as some sexist shit. But the reality is, her genealogy is in doubt. David Root, Sen Warren, answers questions about her alleged Native American ancestry very naturally. So natural and unrehearsed, especially the part about her father's family was bitterly opposed. I didn't think it was possible for someone to be as unlikable as Hillary Clinton. I was wrong. John Meacham, have to give her credit for being 100% on message. Quite impressive. Ramp Capital, I'm more concerned now that she's a robot versus a Native American. <laughs> Somebody tried to flip a DNA test that 97% of Congress that claims Irish ancestry on St. Patrick's Day, and that was supposed to be something. I don't get it. Basically saying that if you're not all Irish yet observe St. Patrick's Day by wearing green, you're making a fraudulent claim. Elizabeth Warren claimed minority status at Harvard committed academic fraud, and while also plagiarizing recipes for a native cookbook. Yeah, well, how many people in Congress who wear green on St. Patrick's Day are Irish, Red State said, and I thought that was perfect. The Bradford file. Senator Elizabeth Warren did not tweet a single message of celebration for Native American Heritage Month last month. I reminded her. Stunning when you consider her extensive familial Indian ancestry. I stand with Native Americans. Elizabeth Warren is a fraud. Don't believe me? Here's a genealogist who pretty much says it. Well, I can't speak for all of them. I could speak for the ones that I talked to. And, you know, some just laugh because it's so ludicrous. I mean, you know, she has no proof of anything. She's a lawyer, and she's supposed to understand, you know, you need proof, yet she keeps claiming. Um, many are angry because they feel like, she, you know, she's appropriating an identity to gain something from that. Yeah. And she has no respect for true Native Americans. In this day and age with where CNN doxes gift makers, but have yet to prove she's Indian. Just let that sit. You've never seen anything on CNN where they go and do a actual research into her DNA, or she hasn't been on the shows to show that her ancestry is Indian. She lied. She's been a liar for her entire life, but she's a liberal, so it's okay. Yeah. Don Jr.'s divorce, page six is reporting that Vanessa Trump has filed for divorce for her husband. Philip Reigns, who served as an advisor for Hillary Clinton, well, he brings in the tolerance. If only we all could divorce him. Hmm. Benny, it's not funny to make fun of a political figure's private marital issue when they have children who will be affected. As a Hillary Clinton senior advisor, you think there would be some sensitivity here. There were hundreds. Hundreds. Then there's Anna Navarro. Alleged conservative Anna Navarro was no fan of the Betsy DeVos interview on 60 Minutes, which is fine, but why did she have to go and drag Sarah Palin into it, especially since Palin never, ever said the bit about seeing Russia from her backyard? Anna Navarro, I had not seen a TV interview so cringe-inducing since Sarah Palin saw Russia from her backyard, and the entire world had a reminder... That was an SNL skit. 
that wasn't true. But that's liberal world. You know, that's what SNL does for Democrats, which this is the first week that I didn't even record it. I'm going to play a Nickelback skit. That's the last time you'll hear me talk about SNL on the show. I'm done. But they make caricatures of people, and half the people who are liberal don't research anything. They just go with what the media tells them and whatever move on tells them, and they go with that. So they believe that was true. It's not. Just like the all fucking Mexicans are uh, rapists and murderers. That was never true. But the left made it so. Then there's a super hate. I play a cute little asshole the day, motherfucker or something, but this is just fucking horrible. Her name is Leah Torres, MD. Your ignorance is showing. Look up what docs get paid for delivering babies versus performing abortions. Takes 3K to deliver, about 100 for abortion. Why do anti-choice folks think it's always about money? So, if it's not about money, is it because you just like infant side? Do you hear their heartbeats when you lay down at night? Do you hear their screams? Chris Wright, new rule. You only get to have an opinion on abortion if you have a vagina. No vagina, no opinion. Right to choose your body. Leah Torres. No. You know fetuses can't scream, right? I transcend the cord first so there's really no opportunity if they're even far enough along to have a larynx. I want to apologize for performing medicine. I'm also a uterus ripper-outer. If that's how you like to describe a hysterectomy. She is defining herself as nasty woman, OBGYN, promoting healthy sexual practices in education, political activist, and general do-gooder. Hashtag abortion funds jar. Yeah. Alyssa Milano joins our hate like she always does, adding two siren emojis for an emphasis on a Boston Globe article claiming Trump wants new authority over polling places. Trump would be able to dispatch secret service agents to polling places nationwide during a federal election, a vast expansion of executive authority, and a provision in the Homeland Security Reauthorization Bill stays in effect. The Secret Service responded to the Boston Globe after the story was first published to explain that they wanted the language added in the bill, not Trump. And two, the legislation is only to clarify that Secret Service agents can, you know, do their job on Election Day just like every other day. Catherine Mohan, a spokesman for the Secret Service, has Saturday that their agency is seeking clarifying language to ensure agents can access polling places while protecting candidates. The question, she said, was in response to an incident during the 2016 election when an officer encountered some reluctance from staff at a polling place. The poll workers worried that letting in an armed agent would violate a federal law barring troops from polling places, she said. She didn't have details of which candidate or which state the incident occurred. The only time armed service personnel would be at a polling place would be to facilitate the visiting of one of our protectees while they voted. Mm-hmm. Get the facts? Totally different story. But that's not what Melissa Milano, Alyssa Milano is about. John Favreau, the president went to Pennsylvania, singled out a black congresswoman from California and called her stupid. That's not rape baiting. That's racist. Ben Carson has the best mushrooms. That's from John Favreau. That was tweeted by Jim Treacher. I'm sure glad Ben Carson fired those staffers and advised them to look incredibly stoned during the last debate. Look out, field. 
These people are such fucking hypocrites. Entertainment Tonight. Jimmy Kimmel says sharing his personal life and opinions on TV cost him commercially. Wah, fucking wah. You chose to be the libtard. NBC News intelligence and national security reporter Ken Dillian spotted something he considered courageous, and here it is. Courageous column. Ruth Marcus, I would have aborted a fetus with Down syndrome. This is once again the big push. We cover it every damn podcast. The left really wants to just selectively birth children. They want it to turn it into some sci-fi show that you go in, well, they're going to have blue eyes. I don't want blue eyes. Abort it. Brent Hume. If abortion okay for Down syndrome, why not for any condition? As she says, that was not a, the child I wanted. Suppose it was a boy and she wanted a girl. I would have ordered a fetus with Down syndrome. Women need the rights, was the article in Washington Post. Senator Sass responds to European country dream of being 100% Down syndrome free. And of course, this was carried nowhere. It has pushed people so far that Gerber Baby inspires Down Syndrome abortion bans across the U.S. Gerber Baby Company chose a Down Syndrome child for the new face of the 2018 campaign in early February. Every year we choose the baby who best exemplifies Gerber's long-standing heritage of recognizing that every baby is a Gerber baby. And it's started. Utah is considering it. Ohio has adopted it. More to come. This is why the left is into it. They're more into Europe than us. France has a 77% termination rate, and Denmark has a 98% termination rate for unborn Down syndrome babies as of 2015. 90% of pregnant women with a positive Down syndrome test receive an abortion in the United Kingdom. 90%. Yeah. Then there's this guy, Shyla Murray, the new name in the Steele dossier investigation, was just any assistant. She was a special agent to President Obama and Vice President Biden. She also reported for WAPO, and her husband works at Fusion GPS. All right, L.A. friends, it has come to my attention that Trump is coming to our hood this week. We'll be in West L.A. tonight, our Wednesday night, for a fundraiser. We have to give him the welcome he deserves. Let's shut down the streets. Rita Panahi, Trump has a has a has a broken a record number of lefties, full blown lunacy. He then went in. This is Ross Gerber. If you are hosting and attending the Trump fundraiser in L.A., we will identify who you are to the media and public. We will boycott your businesses. We will do everything to fight and destroy our state. Immigration, oil, guns, war. Trump is the devil. Retweet resistance. Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking hate there, my friends. And let's move in to our hypocrisy of the day.
Hypocrisy! How does any meeting between Trump and Kim not turn into a victory for the North Koreans? It's hard to imagine how, how it doesn't. First of all, they've had a victory by setting the terms and by having the meeting itself, as you were pointing out. This is what all North Korean leaders have wanted. Three generations have wanted a meeting legitimacy from an American president. It is not prepared. There was no letter, despite leaks that there was. So we do not yet know what he's really offering. And the Treasury Secretary with you repeated the, the phrase denuclearization. Our objective is denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. That is a trap. The Korean Peninsula means we eliminate our nuclear umbrella from our allies. Mm. What we want is for him to give up his illegal weapons, yeah. not for us to give up our nuclear security um umbrella for South Korea and Japan. Th this just shows you the lack of, shall we say, competence or um, familiarity with these mm. details. Except the, the problem I have, Gene, is that I, he has at every turn shown a really unsettling appreciation for, or at least lack of antipathy toward tyranny. And, and, and autocracy. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to sit down with tyrants and autocrats, you have to have, I think, as an American president, one would think it's a given to have a deep felt conviction about the supremacy of democracy. You don't him. hear that from him. Yeah. You know, and one quick point is he, he wants results. If he were going to a meeting, and I don't think it's a great idea at the front end, but if he were going to a meeting mm -hmm. saying, now our experts will work and do this hard, this is just a get to know you. But he wants results and he he will be impatient. And what is the downside if he gets angry at what he experiences? Yeah. Then you, it escalates. As, you have no other option. Then you don't have diplomacy to go to exactly. because you've exhausted your diplomacy. Then things go boom. So I guess fire and fury worked. A dramatic statement that they're talking about. Kim Jong-un is actually talking about total denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. What do you make of that? Suggested. This is actually a moment that we that very few of us thought we'd ever see. The president has uh, agreed that he will meet with Kim Jong-un, and it's, it's difficult to overstate the historic nature of this. John, comb your hair. <laughs> but that's what normal people call good news. But what about morning beaker? Is this a deflection? Of course it's a deflection. Tariffs? and North Korea, all to distract from a president that didn't go through the proper channels. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, looks, he looks like Beaker. That's all I see. And, of course, the great Rachel is having a moment. You might think, like, another president in this circumstance, you could imagine a president asking himself or herself, why has no other American president ever agreed to do this? Why has no sitting American president ever met with a leader from North Korea? Why has that never happened in all the decades North Korea has existed as a nation? Why, why hasn't any other president ever done? Should I take that to mean that this might be a particularly risky or even an unwise move? Why? Why? <laughs> you know, if it were another president like Obama, you'd be doing cartwheels off a high dive into a swimming pool filled with ambrosia salad. So, in sum, if you're looking for a summary of the media's response to all this progress, this does it. Ah! 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 Ah!
Now, obviously, it pays to be skeptical about all of this. But, you know, this is something that could only happen under Donald Trump. Kind of reminds me of a movie. In a world of uncertainty, two leaders face off. In a war of words that terrified the globe. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself. Kim Jong-un saying, I will surely and definitely tame the mentally deranged U.S. daughter with fire. But when talking trash thaws the ice. North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un has proposed a face-to-face -face meeting with President Trump. One man will prove nukes and stones may break your bones. But words will never hurt you. We'll see what happens. While Democrats shove billions in cash to tyrants, kissed commie butt in Cuba, and apologized to the world for being awesome. awesome. A man with a plan said, enough. Nude man on a unicorn with a fitness tracker in one hand and a box of Twinkies in the other presents. Donald Trump, Kim Jong-un, and Dirk Benedict as Face Man. Executive Action 10. Put up your nukes. Now playing in select theaters with a special double feature. Nation's Hall Monitor. I came, I saw, I tattled. Starring Brian Stelter as Brian Stelter. <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to be a hit. All right. You got to admit, even if you don't like Trump, his effect is hard to deny. So hard that even Vanity Fair, Vanity f Fair, admits that Donald's strategy is paying off. Fact is, to control crazy, you gotta talk crazy. Meaning, appear ready to do the unthinkable to get enemies to think twice. It's my theory. Sometimes it pays to be the psycho on the block, screaming at clouds and rubbing dog poo in your hair. Forever we sat back and watched streets filled with bearded psychos burning our flag in countries run by extremist nutbags who goaded them into a froth of fearful rage. But enough about Berkeley. <laughs> So we said, with North Korea, we'll take your crazy and raise you triple crazy by electing Donald Trump. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? Of course, it's still too soon to rejoice. But what's the media's obsessing, obsession now instead of that? It has raised, among many people, the speculation that those photographs might be intimate photographs of the President of the United States. And, Mika, I will I'll hope as you conjure an image of that, I'll try to just urge you not to throw up in your mouth. If there are naked pictures of Donald Trump... <laughs> they can go ahead and stay hushed. Talk about body shaming. As if naked pictures of them would be any better. Fact is, after a certain age, we're all old and weird without our clothes on. It's why I don't own a mirror. The human body is not designed for wear and tear. It's the worst designed product since the spork. But this stormy story is not sticking with the people, just the media. Why? Because we know Donald. And Donald knows Donald. Even he said he's no role model. Finding out Donald Trump slept with an adult film star is like finding out Mike Pence didn't. <laughs> not going to blow your mind. And besides, a grown man that's attracted to porn stars, welcome to biology. <laughs> anyway, I can see it now. Stormy Daniels, CNN contributor. Of course, the media still can't take a Donald Trump joke, spending days fretting over his comments on the Chinese president having a job for life. The president of the United States seems to approve of the president of China making himself a president for life. And the president seems to be suggesting that he, too, 
would like to be a president for life. And we don't know if the American president is making a joke or really means it. Come on, you know he's kidding. You just need something to rail against as unemployment dips to its lowest in 50 years. Or maybe you don't think Trump is kidding. Maybe you think he's dead serious about everything he says. Sounds like you need this. Do you have trouble understanding basic humor? John is great, and she is a great gentleman. He's now president elect. <laughs> president, you want to give that a shot someday. Did you hear that? He just praised the Chinese president for getting rid of term limits and said we should too. Dude, it was a f***ing joke. No, that is what an evil dictator says. Please help me. Sure thing. You should try Laugh It Off. Sounds dangerous. What is it? Laugh It Off is a spray you apply directly to the face that penetrates all the way to your brain to help you understand when the president is and isn't joking so you can preserve your sanity. My coworker used to scroll through the president's tweets all day and it bummed him out. Then I made him try Laugh It Off. Now look at him. <laughs> Thanks, Laugh It Off. I guess. Do you believe that North Korea's recent willingness to talk is sincere? And to what do you owe this recent uh, openness to talk? Me. Nobody got that. Don't worry, Mr. President. I get it. Thanks, Laugh It Off. <laughs> so try Laugh It Off today, so you can go from this to this. Side effects may include improving your worldview. That was gut fill about North Korea, because the, the media is still pounding the drum that, oh my God, we can't let Trump succeed. Then there was a bridge, an FIU pedestrian bridge collapsed. This is Katie Watson. Uh, she's a blue check for CBS. So the Miami company behind the bridge that collapsed, Manila Construction Management, has alleged connections to Paul Manafort. There are numerous people that continued to push that it's Trump's fault. Chris Cuomo is going to be moving to primetime. They got rid of one of their gay guys, Anderson Cooper. The world then said, he's not black, he's not female, he's not many things. This should be fun. Because the left didn't like that either. Stormy Daniels, CNN spent 41 minutes salaciously recapping Stormy Daniels' strip club show. <laughs> it sprouted conservatives to do articles, The Tale of Two Women in Two Eras, Why Monica Lewinsky Was Vilified, and Stormy Daniels Has Been Praised. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's a actually true thing. Chuck Todd. Huh? He's trying to level critique that has no basis in facts. Even using the loose set of parameters he seems to sometimes uses to call something a fact or fake doesn't apply on this. Now if you replace press with some West Wing staff, there'd be some truth in this. Does Chuck Todd watch his own network? Wasn't it MS DNC's Joe Scarborough who was following morning reports that the announcement about North Korean nuclear talks was painfully obvious ploy to distract from Stormy Daniels? The rap. Morning Joe. Trump's North Korea announcement painfully obvious ploy to distract from Stormy Daniels. CNN has gotten so biased 
they won't even track the job growth. This was actually a flyer back in uh, last year. Trump's promise, 25 million jobs in 10 years, or 208,333 jobs per month. In bold font, he's off track. They've quit doing that because now he's on track. CNN headline again. What should Kim trust more, his nuclear weapons or Trump? A foreign dictator is better than Trump, is what that headline says. They then ran this salacious piece that literally shows they did give no fucks about journalism. Donald Trump Jr. appears to take questions from an attendant gaggle of chocolate bunny reporters and Pennsylvania journalist perspective bending photo. The image was captioned, this is the danger of campaigning at a candy factory. Hmm. That That's not biased. Huh. This came from uh, Alex Zeiswald. Trump rally goers interrupt Rick Saccone to chant CNN sucks. CNN sucks. Brian Seltzer, who got upset about that. Quick reminder, Rick Saccone is running against Connor Lamb, not CNN. Chris Saliza, Donald Trump is the President of the United States. When he speaks, we cover it, as we should. Sorry, Chris. Give me one example of a political rally for a House election with Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama that you covered in its entirety. One, you should not be an apologist for shameful behavior, just not just justified by calling it news. It is wrong. An excerpt? Fine. Not this. And this started a whole line of people saying that you're obsessed with Trump. It's true. They are. How far are they? Actual article. Line of fire. CNM Jim Acosta. The Trump trolls who want me dead. After all the insults, acrimonious exchanges, accusations of grandstanding, attacks by the Fox News personalities, and even occasional death threats from Donald Trump-loving trolls, Jim Acosta is just flesh and blood. Not everybody is comfortable taking this guy on, CNN chief White House correspondent told the Daily Beast on Thursday. This guy, meaning the President of the United States, it's uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. During a week in, a week in which, he, as usual, the cable news combatant and Trump White House officials, past and present, tangle like scorpions in a bottle, Acosta conceded, it can be stressful, but I don't want it interrupted as Jim is in a fetal position on the verge of a nervous breakdown. The 46-year-old Acosta, by most appearances, the journalist most likely to receive his White House most hated prize, a designation he claims to wear as a badge of honor. Acosta's gladiatorial relationship with the White House dates back at least to the notorious Trump Tower press conference. Blah, blah, blah. After the white nationalists and neo-Nazis. Blah, blah, blah. He's a hero. He's a hero. He's a hero. This goes on for ten pages about how much of a hero this douche-nozzle activist is, and closes with, No matter what this president wants to do or thinks he can do, Acosta said, citing Trump's musings during the presidential campaign about curtailing First Amendment freedoms and opening up the libeled laws, he cannot stop a free press. It isn't going to happen. It's just patently un-American. I think there would be a tremendous pushback from Capitol Hill to California. To California. Hmm, interesting choice there. Jim, and there would be a, hue, be a hue and cry in this country. In the meantime, Acosta says he plans to continue to be aggressive, even if it means antagonizing the president's underlings. 
There are days when you can't be shrinking violent. He said, I'm going to do my damn job, which is be an activist for the left. Nobody can literally ever, ever say that Jim Acosta is a journalist. Nobody. Slate. Will the New York Times conservative ever write about anything besides the intolerant left again? Jennifer Rubin. That would mean ours don't care about children. Just staying on NRA good side? Mercy me, good thing they can all be voted out. What conservative do you speak of? Jennifer Rubin, all of them. They're, they're, every one of them's a lefty. Anna Navarro, friend. I to make money fast. Got any ideas? Me, yeah. Have sex with Trump. That's a journalist. Because that's what she is. She's brought on on CNN like she's a pundit journalist. Here's something that didn't make your news. I was fired today from Roanoke City Social Service, serving as a damn good social worker. I was fired for having a concealed carry permit. Not the gun, the permit. I was escorted by three city police officers because I'm a safety risk to the building. Yeah, that that was okay. And our last headline before we go into sound bites: New York Times on race baiter Al Sharpton, the Martin Luther King of the North. That is a real, real, real thing, folks. Media mash today. CNN, Trump damaging society. CNN touts diplomat who quit over Trump. MSDNC, Trump's a psychopath. Mitchell laughing over the thought Maxine Waters kicking Trump's ass. Katie Turr, Hillary's a real Christian. And a guest saying Trump is one rally away from saying the N-word. Enjoy. Journalists are still near the top of Trump's enemies list, and that attack against Chuck Todd in particular has to be called out. It's offensive, and it's just plain wrong. And if the president doesn't know that, maybe Melania can tell him? That's But, but we're amusing ourselves to death, Brian, and we lose our ability to function as rationally informed citizens Every time we chuckle or smile at something he says, what he did at that rally April is so right. It's evil. And the stuff he said about Chuck Todd is dangerous. But we're, but too many people are smiling at it. And uh, even some yeah. are applauding. Very well, you're dangerous. saying, David, it, it raises this question of how journalists can avoid being part of the act, part of the it, entertainment. Very much it? so. Well. Brian, I couldn't say that's the great point. We have to stop doing it. Just... You know, just as John and April said, no, 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 this is not okay. We have to so, do it because I think a lot of people in the public, it's like going to the mall on Friday night and seeing a funny movie. Oh, look at what Trump's doing today. No, Trump is changing our lives for the worst. Chuck Todd is NBC's political director and moderator of Meet the Press. Chuck, good morning. You're looking especially alert today, I just wanted to point out. Really looking sharp <laughs> this morning. Thank you, William. It's Thank an old you, classic. William. You've heard it before from the president. Um, Time limit. Of all like days to lose an hour, this was a day we needed an extra hour and then some. To avoid you guys, sleepy. Hour. I think, well, there's that too, anyway. Thank you. <laughs>
That's all we have for today. Neanderthals, sleepy eyes and all. We'll be back next week. If it's Sunday, it's Meet the Press. On his final day as U.S. Ambassador to Panama, John Feely wrote a scathing op-ed in the Washington Post titled, Why I Could No Longer Serve This President. He writes, I resigned because the traditional core values of the United States, as manifested in the president's national security strategy and his foreign, policy fo uh, foreign policies, have been warped and betrayed. Ambassador John Feely joins us now. Good morning, Mr. Ambassador. Good morning, Allison. Was there a particular breaking point for you? There was. I was very concerned throughout much of last year that the rhetoric and the policies coming out of the White House were in sharp uh, dissonance to what I had practiced in Latin America for a long time. But quite frankly, it wasn't anything that had to do with Latin America. It had to do with our own values in the United States. Uh and what about the president's policies on immigration and how those struck you? I ask because another portion of your op-ed, you discussed that. So let me read it for everyone. You say, as the grandson of migrant, migrant stock from New York City, an Eagle Scout, a Marine Corps veteran, and someone who has spent his diplomatic career in Latin America, I am convinced that the president's policies regarding migration are not only foolish and delusional, but also anti-American, such as... They are anti-American in the sense that immigration has always been the wellspring of our nation. Well, we appreciate your candor. So thank you for sharing your motivation with us this morning. Uh, best of luck, Ambassador John Field. Is there some mythology at the White House? And I first heard this mythology um, spoon-fed to those of us who cover him after the Syria strike, that he was so moved by the images, the horrific images of, of the children suffering from the, the, the chemical attack in Syria, that that helped motivate him to act. And you heard the same stories after the horrific tragedy in Parkland, that, that this changed him. That's BS. I mean, they lie when they tell stories about the president's humanity. He didn't do anything. I think they lie on two levels. At best, it would be a nanosecond that he felt something. But to our, some of our earlier discussions, and I'm not going to go there about him being a sociopath, I don't think he's capable of the basic empathies that we feel as human beings, and that's what a sociopath is. I think everything is immediately translated to me. I don't think, I'm not inside him, but everything I know and know him for 20 years, when we see children dying, we as humans, we as parents, feel a certain way. I actually don't, doesn't think it translates to him, and that's what makes him a sociopath. She's a low IQ individual. You can't help her. She really is. General Becerra, your comment? I, I think Donald Trump probably said that from about 2,000 miles away from Maxine Waters because he's probably too afraid to say it to her face. Yeah. And I would urge Donald Trump to be careful if he ever finds himself in a, in a dark alley with Maxine Waters. <laughs> it's a funny image. Evangelicals are not going to get behind a candidate like Hillary Clinton who supported partial birth abortion. Donald Trump was the pro-life candidate. He's fulfilled that in 2017. I know a lot shocks a lot of people, but that's what evangelicals are going to well, do. We're talking so about people of faith. Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. has a much deeper relationship with faith than Donald Trump does. I mean, I, I don't understand the, well, I, I, I can't vote for Hillary Clinton because of, because of her support on, on abortion, but I can vote for Donald Trump, who has had three divorces, who says vul vulgar things, who has had numerous affairs, who's right. bragged about, Katie. has bragged yeah. about grabbing women by the genitals, bragged about it on tape, and yet mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton is the more morally um, hard-to-swallow candidate than Donald Trump.
It, it, this is not just an issue of what Donald Trump says and the names he calls people or the positions he ends up taking. Um, he praised dictators on Saturday. He praised Kim Jong-un. He, he praised uh, uh, President Xi for his president for life position. At the same time, he's going after the free press. He is he is. He is tearing apart and, and just trashing the foundation of our democracy, our First Amendment. Yeah, you're all for the Second Amendment, but he's trashing the First Amendment. The personal attack on somebody, I don't even think they know. Mm -hmm. They may be vaguely aware she's African-American, right. Maxine Waters. She's, but to go and call her low IQ, what, where, where's the base? I mean, you can say I don't like it. You can say she just... Right. Where's the low IQ piece coming in here? And he goes like this, the low IQ. He does a sign language thing. You know? I, I have more respect for the people at this rally, Chris. They know who Maxine Waters is. They know who she represents. They know who Nancy Pelosi is. And look, this is not the first rally Trump's going to do. He's going to do several this year. He's half a rally away from just using the N-word. That, that, it's, it's, it's that basic. He's half a rally away from just calling somebody the N-word, and then everyone's going to pretend that they're shocked, and yeah. then everybody on The Apprentice is going to say he used it all the time. That's what he does. He, yes, he has a hostility and an anger towards women well, of color. What do you make matter. of that? Where do you think that he's been had a life, a life of success? Right. He's a big city guy right. in a world of diversity, you could argue. He's not living. Oh, what, <laughs> he, I just saw your he, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be around people of color unless he wants to. Look, his, his relationship with black women is similar to his relationship with women in general. Okay, If black women aren't working for him and they aren't there to serve him in some personal way, he's basically Calvin Candy. He is angry and hostile. Calvin him. Candy? He's, he's the guy from Django. He was the slave oh, owner in Django. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I mean, that's basically Trump. It's like if, if she's not Diamond and Silk, if she's not Omarosa, I can't believe that, that black woman's talking to me. That was pretty bad. But this is what a new section I want to go into, super bias. These are statements made this week by all the major news networks. You're going to hear them bashing Trump, gun owners, bashing God at the very end with uh, Stephanie Rule. It's all the networks, and I want you to objectively listen to this and say, is this journalism or is this liberal activism? I think you know what your answer is going to be. The other thing, of course, to note here is this is a cable TV personality. It is a perfect kind of an appointment for the apprentice-style presidency that Donald Trump is running. And we know how consumed he is with watching uh, people on cable television and consuming a lot of uh, TV news. Uh, so it should surprise nobody that he would actually tap uh, a cable television personality. Larry Kudlow has been uh, at CNBC for a long time. Yeah, we know that when President Trump wants advice or affirmation, he frequently turns on the TV. But this is one of the best examples yet of that Trump TV feedback loop. Uh, it's not only that the president live tweets cable news shows, gets ideas from cable news hosts, and sometimes calls them up after they're on the air. Now we actually see him poaching a host from cable television. Uh, in this case, uh, Larry Kudlow, as you've been talking about. But, but firing now would perhaps deprive him of that pension, I believe, as the article makes a good point. And I think that one could argue this is perhaps the president's way of getting a little revenge, you know, a little revenge for him for his alleged ties to the Clintons, alleged ties, his wife's ties to Terry McAuliffe, the former governor, the governor of Virginia, who has also, of course, ties to both Clintons. And that he, the president himself has said to Sessions, he holds the Sessions so responsible for this Russia probe from accusing himself in the first place, and that this is perhaps a way, he's, a day he's dangling, whether he's explicitly said it or not, to get back into his good graces by following through here and firing. McCabe. I don't know how to ask this without swearing, so I'm going to ask you as best I can, and I will bleep, don't worry, control room. Is the president this much of a bleep hole? 
<laughs> well, I think that's been established. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't actually think that that's breaking news. No, it's important to remember that this recommendation comes from career Justice Department employees through the, the Inspector General's office. I'm not questioning right, the right, recommendation. Right. I'm However, questioning the timing. Right, and, and we don't know what the details are about uh, his lack of candor, which is a firing offense. Of in course the it is. And you think firing someone for leaking bad information that reflected badly on Hillary Clinton is a home run in the post-fact world that is Trump's face? Well, that's the whole insane thing about this thing. <laughs> Right. I mean, I worked on the 2016 campaign, and if you remember, there was only one person who was hurt by information leaking out about the FBI investigation, and that was Hillary. Of three percent sustained GDP. All right, I understand you wanted to get back on an economic message, but the President of the United States uh, in the past has been a beacon of freedom of the press. Uh, instead, last night he was praising authoritarian figures in China and North Korea and encouraging booze of the American press. Does this mean it is? This American president is no longer going to be preaching about uh, the values of freedom of, a, of the press and democracy around the world? Of course he believes in freedom of the press and democracy around the world. And he believes, more importantly, in protecting democracy around the world. And that's what we should be focused on, a week of policies. And as well, I You keep said saying before, that's what we, if that's what we should be focused on, then why can't the president focus on that, sir? Uh, I think the president has been very focused on that. And Would you call yes last night's speech a focused speech on that? I, I wasn't at the campaign rally, as you know. But again, don't don't take these campaign rallies and focus them on that's what it is. So okay. we should should we stop covering the campaign rallies? Do you think it's a mistake then for us to cover them at all? That it doesn't matter what he says. If it doesn't matter what he says there, if we're to dismiss everything he says at a campaign rally, as I think you're trying to imply. Then are you saying we should no, cover these you're, things? You're, you're, you're putting words in my mouth. I wasn't in any way saying you should dismiss that whatsoever, and you should obviously carry them because these are important moments for the president, and this is news. What I'm trying to say is I'm focused on the policies, and the policies have created results. We've had more results in the last year mm -hmm. on both foreign policy and domestic matters. So what we should be focused on and what I came to talk about were well, the president's policies. I wanted on the news of the day, does President Trump's firing of the Secretary of State, does it... Does it strengthen this idea that Democrats have put forward that this is a chaos president and that their candidates are stability candidates, ultimately making Republicans even more vulnerable in races like the one that we're seeing today in Pennsylvania? But even beyond how he was notified, just this idea that, that every few days there's some sort of high-level departure uh, from, from this White House. Again, an argument that, that the Democratic candidates, uh, at least there in Pennsylvania, that this idea that they're putting forward is that this is an administration and it's spiraling out of control. I'm not here to rebut uh, the narratives that you're, you're pushing out there. I'm just trying to say uh, I don't really know what it... Go ahead. With all due respect, it's not a narrative. It's, it, I mean, it's fact. I mean, there, there have been a number of high-level departures over the past few weeks in this administration. That's, that's not a narrative. Yeah, I, I, that's I, I, I don't... A hatred for God. Is, is calling Democrats God-haters is that the way that Republicans plan to, to win in Pennsylvania and, and win in the midterms? No, I don't. That's not how I plan on winning. What do you make of the comments there from Mr. Saccone? Uh, I think they were misplaced. Um, I'd like to think that misplaced. in the final day of it. Yeah, misplaced. I don't think you should have said it. How, how does that advance the cause of civility? Yeah, I, I don't think that it does. I don't agree with that statement either. Uh, quoting a GOP source is saying, quote, Costello is a goner. Unless the map changes. Uh, Congressman, are you a goner? 
No, I'm a candidate for re-election. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the reality is the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just changed Democratic. They did. They unconstitutionally rigged the map uh, against me. I think that in the next day or two, uh, we will come to find that a federal court will confirm that the Supreme Court was not allowed to do that. It will go back to the existing, the old lines, uh, where Hillary Clinton still won my district by a point. Uh, so I don't know. I can't really dignify or respond to an anonymous comment. Okay, so let's talk about that because you um, introduced a bill, a bipartisan bill. It was passed by the House. That is noteworthy, I think, um, about gun violence. So let me just tell people what's in it. Uh, Fifty million dollars a year for a new federal grant program to train students, teachers, and law enforcement on how to spot and report signs of gun violence. Um, one of your colleagues in the Senate, Marco Rubio, who of course represents Florida and was there with you at our CNN town hall, he introduced a bill yesterday. It was about daylight saving time. He wants to make it year-round. Do you think that helps um, gun violence? <laughs> uh, I assume that's a rhetorical question. Well, I mean, I Allison. guess my point is, is that things are being done in yeah. Congress, but they're not being done on this issue of, of even course. his home state. And I just uh, want you to explain why this would I, be his priority. Yeah, I can't explain that, and I will not debate the merits of, of, making sure, of extending daylight savings time year-round. That is not a serious debate that we should be having right now a month after 17 people were slaughtered in Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. It's crazy. I mean, come on. We know, Allison, you were there. You met with these kids. You know how passionate they are. And you know that they're going to continue to force us on the, onto the agenda. Everything that's done in this town where the gun lobby is involved is meant to distract and to change the subject. Mm -hmm. We cannot let that happen. If you find some other members of Congress or the Senate who want to debate daylight savings time, uh, go ahead and do it. I'm not doing that. I'm going to talk about the need to take action on gun violence. ...that for various different reasons have committed themselves. So, Good morning. am I wrong to be suspicious of why, once again, the president, who seems always to be spoiling for a fight, brags about lying to the Canadian prime minister, will not mention Vladimir Putin or Russia even after an alleged murder at, on the soil of one of our greatest allies? Now, well, that has happened. He just hasn't done it, Senator, and there's a point of fact here. Yeah, that would be a fine prescription for how to proceed if we didn't know anything. But the president, at the time that he said that, had to know that Theresa May had already addressed Parliament and said, we know that it was Russia. So it wasn't that he was waiting for facts. He just didn't want to act on the facts. Well, I, I think maybe you're being a little hard because he said we don't know all the facts. They got the facts. The White House just issued a statement. It's true. He didn't issue the statement. But the, the statement that I saw yesterday, from, and it was on the White House stationery, speaking for the president, was pretty strong. So you don't think it has to come from the president directly? Well, I think it's, that's preferable, but, uh, you know, I think maybe we're uh, cutting the lines fairly fine here. Larry Kudlow did, Eamon Javers pointed it out on Twitter just a few moments ago. If you notice, when Larry Kudlow spoke on CNBC yesterday, he ended by saying, however things work out, it will be God's will. Hmm. That's an interesting way to uh, talk about Why being not? the national economic advisor to the president. God's will. We're going to talk to you all about this guy, Larry Kudlow, President Trump's new pick to be the top economic advisor. This will be the challenge happens. for Larry Kudlow, because in the position that he's in now, he has to stand there and represent 
real data. Right, but the fear is he may stand there and represent the president in the face of real data. Well, as Larry Kudlow about. says, it's God's will. <laughs> Some jacked up shit right there. Into our stats. This is a positive stat. Openly atheist Dem trumped by Republican landslide in special election in Tennessee. Tennessee 14th District. I think that's pretty good. Oakland loses its third police chief amid scandals. So maybe it's more than just the mayor there. Maybe Oakland's pretty fucked up and, uh... Yeah, I believe that. AARP blocked a conservative. I thought that was pretty damn interesting, considering they're supposed to be for everybody. And our more important stat of the day, thus there's very few stats as we go into our news and social media nuggets. Brittany Pettibone is a conservative. And this week, two far far right-wing activists Refuse entry in the UK. All the coup people are being banned away. Travelers Brittany Pettibone and Martin Selner have told of their horror of being detained and then booted from the UK and what they claim is attack on free speech. The far-right activist, this is a British paper, with a large online following, Mr. Selner is an Austrian from Generation Identity Group, and his girlfriend, Miss Pettibone, is an American commentator. They were traveling the UK with their friend, Canadian activist Lauren Southern, when they were all denied entry for their position. Pettibone's tweet, to the people claiming my deportation document is fake, it's not not sure why they are spelling mistakes. Perhaps they didn't care enough to proofread. This is an exact document I was given upon denied entry to the UK. She then tweeted, overwhelmed by the number of supportive messages I've received over the past few days, particularly from those who disagree with me politically, who understand the importance of fighting for free freedom of speech, very encouraged right now. Folks, I want to make sure you understand that... Uh, that's coming to us. Liberals spend their whole lives trying to be like Europe. They want to be this open border, abort down syndrome babies with only one world view countries. <clears throat> and we've already had it started where you're not welcome in California. So don't say I'm full of shit, liberals. California says that. California denies people traveling to states that ban transgender bathrooms. Do we remember that? So, once again, this is horrible. This is horse shit. And I was going to play a soundbite by her, but I'm not going to because I'm soundbite heavy. But that's a horrible sign of things to come. I misspoke because I do have one article, Kurt Schiltzer. Wrote an article this week that pissed everybody off. I wanted to read it. Before we go to music break and news and social media nuggets. His article is why the Democrats would lose the second civil war too. It's a clickbait heading. But I agree with what he said. 
And it goes a little something like this. It's obvious that the central tenet of the Democratic Party platform is now hatred and contempt for normal Americans, taking their cue from elites in Europe and Canada who are stripping dissenters of their free speech rights and religious freedoms, the leftist elite is moving to solidify its hold on power here with the eager assistance of tech companies and the moral support of the Fredacrons, who yearn to return to pseudo-revelance as a ruling class slobbering loyal op- opposition. In California, the leftist government is practically firing on Fort Sumner, and nationally, these aspiring fascists are e- especially eager to disarm normal Americans doing... Doing so would be an abject lesson in who's the boss, as well as solving that frustrating problem of normal normals having the ability to resist. Let me see if I can read now. Probably because I spent time where they actually had a civil war. Many people ask me, people whose names you know, whether I think it's a turmoil will all end in a second civil war. They are seriously concerned and not without cause. The left's hatred for normal Americans and its dedication to totally stripping the people who are the backbone of this country of their ability to participate in their own government is threatening to rip the country apart. Do I think there will be a civil war? No, but there could be. This is the age of black swans and anything is possible. We could easily see the country split into red and blue. Civil war is unlikely, but never underestimate Democrats' stupidity and hatred. The Schilster family learned that lesson a century and a half ago, the last time the Democrats decided to try to impose their hatred of basic human rights on the rest of the country, when an army of Democrats burned our family hometown. Oh, they paid for it, and they would pay again. Democrats are 0-1 in insurrections, and if they want for another round, they would be 0-2 in a matter of terrain, numbers, and morale. Democrats who think history began when Obama was elected don't understand the dangerous game they're playing. When they talk about how they want to impose a brown-shirt vision upon Red America, the keyboard commandos of the left seek to hand-wave away the massive strategic challenge of imposing control by force upon a well-armed decentralized citizenry occupying the vast majority of the territory. So they babble about drones and tanks as counterinsurgency trump cards. But there are no trump cards in war. There are men with rifles standing on patches of dirt killing the people trying to push them off. That's the ugly reality of war and to multiply the usual brutality of war by 10 when it's a civil war. There are two Civil War II scenarios, and the left is poorly positioned to prevail in either one. The first scenario is that the Democrats take power and violate the Constitution in order to use the apparatus of the federal government to suppress the oppressed normal Americans. In that scenario, red Americans are the insurgents. In the second scenario, which we can even now see the stirrings of in California campaign to nullify federal immigration immigration law, it is the blue states that are the insurgents. The Democrats lose both wars big time. Let's talk terrain and numbers. Remember the famous red versus blue voting map? There's a lot of red, and in the interior, few blotch blue splotches are all cities like Las Vegas or Denver. That is a lot of territory for a counterinsurgency force to control, and that this is critical. The red is where the food is grown, the oil is pumped, and through which everything is transported. And that red space is filled with millions of American citizens with small arms, a fairly large percentage of whom have military training. Remember what two untrained idiots did in Boston with a couple of pistols? They shut a city down. 
Now multiply that by several million with better weapons and training. <laughs> Let's look at the scenario, counterinsurgency forces in the democratic oppression scenario. Should they attempt to misuse our law enforcement and military in an unconstitutional manner to take the rights of American citizens? There are a lot of civilian law enforcement officers, but the vast majority of the agencies are local sheriffs, small town police departments. They will not be reliable allies in supporting unlawful oppression of their friends and neighbors. The major city police departments are run by Democrat appointees, so the commands would be loyal, but the rank and file, a small percentage, would be ideologically loyal. More, w- more would be loyal because that's their paycheck. They would, could be swayed or intimidated to support the, re- the rebels. Others would be actively sympathetic to insurgents. This is a true, this is true of federal law enforcement agencies as well. And the military? Well, wouldn't the military just crush any resistance? Not so fast. The military would have the combat power to win any major engagement, but insurgents don't get into major engagements with forces that they have more combat power. They instead leverage their decentralized ability to strike at the counterinsurgents' weak points to eliminate the government's firepower advantage. In other words, hit and run and no stand-up fights. For example, how do a bunch of hunters in Wisconsin defeat a M1 tank? They ambush the fuel and ammo trucks. Oh, and they wait until the gunner pops his hatch out to take a leak and put a .30-06 round on the back from 300 meters. Then they disappear. What do the tanks do then? Go level the nearest town? Great. Now they just move the needle in favor of the insurgents amongst the populace. But the military is so big it would overwhelm any rebels, right? Well, how big do you think the military is? And more importantly, how many actual boots on the grounds can it deploy? <clears throat> Let's put it in terms of brigade combat teams, which today... To total about 4,500 troops. There are about 60 brigades in the Army, active reserve, here and abroad. And let's give the Marines another 10 brigades for about 70 brigades. Sounds impressive, but that's deceptive. Let's put aside the big consideration existence, blah, 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 blah. He's breaking it down. So now the blue states are facing unconventional and conventional forces. He then moves on through this. It's getting a little boring. We move on. So you have significantly understrength units going in. Now, how many of the troops in the brigades are actually even frontline combat troops? Breaks that down. Da 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 da. Civil wars are harsh. That's why you avoid them. How about the blue insurgency scenario? That goes even worse for the Democrats. You have the federal government apparatus in the hands of red Americans and the insurgents of the opposition of decentralized and armed. They are conventionally centered in gun-unfriendly blue cities. In other words, the blue civilian populace is much less of a threat. A red counterinsurgency avoids the problem of decentralized insurgency and insecure logistical lines. In the case of California, whose secession antics are approaching the point where President Trump would legitimately employ his power to crush insurrections, the tactical problem is relatively simple. For example, San Francisco is a hotbed of treason, but the populace is largely unarmed and trapped in a confined area. You put a brigade on to secure the Golden Gate and Bay Bridges, then put a brigade on the San Francisco Peninsula to cut off I-280 and US-101. Next, you go to Crystal Springs Dam and cut off the water. Then you watch and wait as tech hipsters run out of our artisanal sushi rice and kombucha. After about a week, they surrender. After all, you can't eat and drink smugness. L.A. is just a bigger in scope, but the same conditions apply. Then there's other factors, an intangible but a crucial one. It's commitment. The Democrat threat to peace is based on policies designed to deprive normal Americans of their rights to speak freely, to worship freely, and to defend themselves and their right with firearms. 
Make no mistake, millions of normal Americans are willing to risk death to defend those rights. In fact, many swore to do so when they entered our military and law enforcement. But who is the leftist big talker willing to die to impose the fascist dreams of censorship, religious oppression, and disarmament on North American citizens? Is the screeching SJW at Yale going to suit up in Kevlar? Is the Vox columnist going to grab an M4? Is Hollywood poser going to switch her gyno beanie for a helmet? No. Hell, we just heard our liberal opponents explaining why a cop shouldn't be expected to go fight a scumbag murdering kids because it's scary. America might split apart, but it's highly unlikely Team Kale and Vinyl would fight should their big talk finally push normal Americans too far. So out there listening to this, you say he started the show about a civil war and then he reads an article about a civil war. Do you see it's not only me saying it? There are those on the left and the bastions of the internet saying the same thing. I defriended last year a soldier that served for me. He said, did you think we weren't going to train? The left has been pushing for an armed conflict with those that don't agree with them for a very long time. Its group is called Antifa. Antifa. It's a scary time in America, folks. I truly believe, as I stated in the beginning, we're at a tipping point. Will political leaders on the left ramp down their verbiage. Will somebody finally kill enough conservatives to make the media cover a killing for what it is? We had one last year. They ignored it. Las Vegas was a lefty. They won't report it. The school shooting in Parkland was a lefty. They don't report it. But will they be pressured eventually to say it's already happening? You already have lefties attacking conservative people. Will it happen? In my lifetime, will I see this? Will this be commonplace? Where the rhetoric of the media and the left have pushed people so far, they start attacking other Americans. Right now, they're verbally doing it, but will they physically attack other Americans over ideas? Because we've gotten to a point where we can't coexist with other people that don't believe our way. And because we lose fucking elections. That's the whole thing. Since November 9th, 2016, there is a group of Americans that cannot handle it. They can't handle not being in power. After eight years of Obama and his Nirvana changing America to what it isn't, they can't handle it. They have done everything to disrupt Divide and conquer. And they have a powerful force, which is the mainstream media, that allows them to do it. They beckon them as heroes on. They attack and test, as Chris Cuomo says, anybody with an opposing view. And an opposing view isn't racist, sexist, homophobic, or transphobic. It's just an opposing view, but you demean it as those things. Because they're at a point where they don't want opposing ideas. No more. You're not authorized to think unlike them. 
He wrote that piece to piss Americans off. But the sad thing is, he's not the only person thinking about it. A lot of Americans are thinking, are we almost there? And this time it's not about something lofty like slaves and state rights. It's liberty. The liberty to believe, have the faith you want, raise your family the way you want, and arm yourself. They better back off. To music break, news, and social media nuggets.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. In this that is me, the dead are rolling over. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Military corner. I start kind of where I just left off. What is it with CNN reporters calling out normal people for things they don't like? The latest from Jim Acosta zoomed in on this photo and tweeted it to his 500,000 followers of who we assume is a U.S. Marine wearing a Pepe the Frog t-shirt during a presidential Trump speech in Miramar, California yesterday. Man in Pepe the Frog shirt at Trump event in Miramar. If he's a U.S. Marine, then the U.S. Marine Corps will handle any disciplinary issue regarding his dress, if it's an issue at all. But why highlight him in the first place? Fish in the Frito. What is it with CNN and doxing? Trying to dox a Marine now? You loser leftists are just... Miserable people. Man pretending to be a journalist reports on kids' clothing. Another one. If only they could put a fraction of this much effort in actual unbiased journalism. How dare he wear a shirt? Jim Acosta bitching about a Trump typo, meanwhile has no problem doing this or having his network chase down and harass old ladies. Do we remember that? Yeah. Then there was articles in Task and Purpose, which had to hurt their feelings because they're lefties. They fought against commies in North Korea, and they say Trump is making the right moves. Oh, god damn, that had to hurt. Another Task and Purpose article. ISIS wants you to watch U.S. troops dying. Is that news? I don't think so. And they show that there are still websites that are allowing that to get online. A great article for Task and Purpose. Here's how one sniper killed an ISIS fighter more than two miles away. And it breaks down how this Canadian fuck shot this guy with his doggone rifle scope. Hmm. The ending of the article, as a bullet is traveling subsonic at a speed of 940 feet per second, the bullet is diving at an average of nearly two inches per foot of forward travel, with the problem getting much worse as distance increased. So you have to increase windage elevation to pop that shot, but he popped it, and that's pretty impressive. They also covered Nito, the Air Force dog. Great photo with his handler. And we close with seven of the top ways the military ages you. As I am living proof of this, I thought it was a good article. One, growing gray hair. Yeah, I didn't get anything until 2002. Got a lot of gray hair. Making awful noises when standing up. Yeah, it's from the packs. Three, complaining about kids today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Four, talking about the good old days. Five, enjoying black coffee and quiet mornings. Six, 
Talk about driving directions and the weather. And seven, reading books about war. I have read so many books about Quat. It's not even funny. To our college crazy. Could you imagine being kicked out of class because you say there's only two genders? Well, that's exactly what happened to a student at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. A letter saying you're being kicked out because you would not agree to fill out the form that there's more than one gender. Alleged violation description. Disrespectful objection to the professor class discussion structure. Refusal to stop talking out of turn. Angry outburst response to being required to listen to a trans speaker discuss the realities of white male privilege and sexism. Disrespectful reference to the validity of trans identity and experience. Disrespect claim that a low score on any class work would be evidence of professor's personal prejudice. Educational task explanation. You'll write an apology to all these people. Or you're going to be booted. She refused to because she had a different, different thing. Wow. Lake Ingle said he objected to some of his claims made in the video featuring a transgender woman encountered by arguing that there were only two genders and the gender wage gap is a myth. No opposing opinions. It was carried all over conservative media. Florida outlaws free speech zone in a higher Education bill, Florida bill that would outlaw free speech zones in the state college campuses recently cleared the House of Representatives. The bill, which has garnered the support of multiple First Amendment nonprofits, also includes a cause of action mandate, which would allow people to sue institutions if they feel their expressive rights are violated. Long over uh, overdue. Yeah. Yeah. Student paper apologizes for printing photo of Charles Murray. The student newspaper at Middlebury College sparked outrage recently by publishing a photo of conservative scholar Charles Murray on the front page. Violent riots marred Murray's last visit to campus one year ago, with one professor even being hospitalized with a head injury and to be attacked by the mob of students as she escorted Murray from the venue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, however, funny, onion-worthy. They put a picture of people were fucking outraged because no opposing views. Professor to discuss reproductive justice in the age of Trump at USM. University of Southern Maine has delayed an event on reproductive justice in the age of Trump that was originally slated to take place on International Women's Day. The event will feature Loretta Ross, who teaches a controversial course on whiteness in the age of Trump. (laughs) UCLA's back in the show again. Social justice advocates resume fight against privilege. UCLA's social justice advocate program is once again paying students to fight whiteness, privilege, and heteronormativity on campus. The program appears to have gone defunct as of January, even being scrubbed from the school's website, but the SJA Facebook page has lately shown renewed signs of light. Social justice advocate, now a collective of students with a goal to engage with their peers on issues of social justice. We host workshops, conversations, film screenings, panels, you name it. Let's start a conversation. There is no conversation. There is do what the fuck we told you. Washington Post, perspective, good bet for the office NCAA pool, black men will play and white men will profit. Cameron Gray sums it up. 
everything is racist. And to the uber, uber crazy social justice of the world that has just gone beyond the pale, a restaurant is charging white customers more to highlight racial wealth inequality. A restaurant in New Orleans is hoping to raise awareness of racial wealth and differences in the country by charging white customers more. And a pop-up restaurant in a Louisiana-run city, or Louisiana City, run by local Nigerian chef Tunde Wei, will be charging white customers $18 extra for the meal. Much like a cafe in Melbourne, Australia, which charged a man tax, they decided to take it for the race. In 2013, a study found that the average household income of African Americans in the city was 54 cents below a white person. Customers have two price options to choose from, either $12 or suggested price of 30 As Tunde explains, the standard price is available to everyone, but only white customers will be asked to consider the suggested price. Yeah. That's not racist. Hmm. HuffPo! Month 2 of HuffPo opinion is almost done. This month we published 63% women, including trans women, 53 writers of color. Our goal for this month were less than 50% white authors. That's okay though? Because if the inverse was true, that'd be fucking horrible. To Hollywood! Wrinkle in time! Cash crash lands at box office. I haven't covered this, but I wanted to cover it because... This big, huge, million, hundred million dollar freaking, or more than that, I think it costs like $300 million to make this goddamn movie. Oh no, the price tag was $250 million, excuse me. It was a children's book with Christian views in it, and of course Hollywood took it and wiped out the Christian views, and made it a social justice piece of shit, and now it's failing at the box office. Um, it only took in $33 million the first weekend. Maybe normal Americans aren't offended by Christianity, but they're fucking offended by this. This is peak fucking stupid. I, I, I fucking, I, let, hold on a second. Let, let, let's look for something. I paused uh, the show just to look for some kind of exclaimer on this. I don't even have anything made because this is beyond anything I've approached, but here it goes. Mother's Day cards go gender neutral. Weight Rose is selling gender neutral Mother's Day cards as retailers reduce their use of the M word to make today's celebration more transgender inclusive. The supermarket chain is selling a happy U Day card in its Mother's Day range in which the words mothers does not appear. Rate Rose said the mood ain't at broadening out who the cards could go to, whether it's grandmas or transgender moms. Do do we do, do people know you you gotta have a uterus to have a baby? You could still give a Mother's Day card to a dude if you got two doodads, or you know, that could be just because your wife died. Why do we move everything away? The 99.3% of the world for the 0.7% of transgender. Do you really think there's much money there? 0.7%. That's not even 1%. What the fuck are wrong, what the fuck are wrong with you? 
Legal battle between Katy Perry and nuns over Los Filos comment takes tragic turn. In court, one of the sisters died. How do you feel about that, Miss Perry? Vancouver man launders tens of millions of crime cash, U.S. alleges. That was one of the weird ones. Fucking horrible. Missouri is a destination wedding spot for 15-year-old brides. That's actually a headline. I guess you can get married at 15 in Missouri. (laughs) That's some old-school little house on the prairie shit. I don't think you need to get married at 15. Shame of Bono's charity bullies. Married female worker reveals how she was ordered to seduce a politician and was demoted when she refused. And Bono's a big liberal. Hmm. Footage of mysterious object above ocean stuns military personnel. This is a different one. A newly released video of a mysterious object streaking over the Atlantic Ocean shows the Pentagon needs to take UFOs seriously. Sensational two-minute clip captured by a cameraman abroad, aboard, excuse me, a U.S. Navy F-18 jet flying at 2,500 feet. The damn thing was just moving and they couldn't even keep up with it and it did look like a saucer of some sort. Yeah. Antifa leader in Portland, Micah Rhodes, guilty of sexual abuse, faces two years in prison. I just love that because that mm, is fantastic. And talking about Europe as much as we have this year, this is an actual metropolitan police in London. What is a hate crime? Are you ready? If someone does something that isn't a criminal offense, but the victim or anyone else believes it was motivated by prejudice or hate, we would class this as a hate incident. Though what the perpetrator has done may not be against the law, the reasons for doing it are. This means it may be possible to charge them with an offense. This is some crazy-ass sci-fi thought violence. What was that movie with freaking Tom Cruise in it? If you think about killing, you go to jail. Do you remember that? This is where we are. And our last crazy crazy, until we go into our lighter fare. Mother, who once married her biological son, is now going to jail for marrying her biological daughter. What the fuck is wrong with you? Our first lighter fare soundbite is SNL, as preference, the last one we'll ever do. And this was about Nickelback. And I, I gotta admit, it was pretty fucking funny, uh, when I watched it, uh, last Saturday. And I saved it for this podcast. But, um, yeah, listen to this. The, the, I like Nickelback, but goddamn, they, they get beat the hell up. Mom, we're right here. Oh, Michael, so good to see you. How's she doing? Not good, but she'll be happy to see you. It's been too long. I came as soon as I heard. I'm glad I'm not too late. Yeah, we don't know how long she has left. Uh, It's been a long day. Hey, Mom, Michael's here. The paramedics just left. Oh, she wants to say something to you. Michael, come here, Michael. Hey, hi, Mrs. Gomez. What is it? 
There is something that I need to tell you. Uh, yes, ma'am. Anything. Wait, what is it? You can tell me. I, I never made it. Never made it? What do you mean, never made it? I, I, I never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man still. Oh. Um, what was that, Mrs. Gomez? What, what was that a Nickelback song? Oh. Mrs. Gomez, wh why are you telling me this? Michael, I think she needs to rest. Just, just wait. I need to hear what she's saying. Mrs. Gomez, what did you say? Oh. I can't. I can't stand seeing her in pain. No, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Mrs. Gomez, please. I. I. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man's soon. Tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. And this is how you remind me. This is how you remind me of what I really am. No, 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 no. Mrs. Gomez. Oh my god, oh my god, Jonathan, get the paramedics. Quick, Michael, what did she say? I don't know, but it rocked. Come on, Mrs. Gomez, wake up. We got a situation here. Is this the woman who fell into the mosh pit at the Nickelback concert? Yes, it is. Everybody clear the area. What did my mom say? It's personal. Just back off. But you what? can tell us we're her kids. Give me the defibrillators. Copy. I'm not sure that you'll be able to hear this, but your mom said something really cool. Well, come on, Michael, those might be my mother's last words. You're not going to tell us? Okay, fine. She said, man, this is heavy. She said, I never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. I've heard a lot of last words, but your mom's kicked the most ass. Clear! This is how you remind me of what I really am. This is how you remind me of what I really am. Now that you say sorry, I was waiting on a different story. This time I'm mistaken for having you a hard word breaking. I've been wrong, I've been down. It's in the bottom of every bottle. These five words in my head scream, Are we having fun yet? Yeah, yeah. Clapping. This woman is dead. Our second soundbite is a perfect example of what I ran into when I met Mark Halpern. <clears throat> Baked Alaska is a conservative troll on the internet. And he approached Jim Acosta, who starts out as smug as, oh, one of my fans. And then he gets trolled like a motherfucker. Because he doesn't even pay attention to who the hell he's talking to. Because he's on his phone trying to find out the next time he can grandstand on CNN and push a liberal cause. Enjoy! Hey, is it Jim Acosta? Hi, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, What's nice up? to meet you. I'm a big nice fan. Thanks. CNN, right? Yeah. Uh, a small scuffle there. For what happened? Some people fighting? Not sure, yeah, I think so. Well, I, I just wanted you to know, I appreciate what you do. Oh, thanks. And your fake news. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> right. Tony, what's up? God damn, I love that soundbite. 
I just love it. So to close the show like we always do with something to kind of paraphrase what the show is about and how horrible the intolerant left is, here's Marissa Cabas. Over 100 people replied to this. This was retweeted about 2,000 times. And she's not the only one to put this out. I'm sick of progressive people telling 2A advocates it's not like we're trying to take away your guns. Like, yeah, I am. If it wasn't that this week, it was a Joy Reid. It appears the majority of gun owners are uneducated white guys who think black people are going to launch a sneak attack on white people. Or at least that's what The Root would have us believe. Report. Majority of gun owners are uneducated white males who think black people are preparing to launch a sneak attack against Caucasians. In a clear case of reverse racism, an obscure little-known discipline called science has revealed that the vast majority of gun owners are uneducated white males who think black people are preparing to launch a sneak attack against Caucasians any day now. A new article in Scientific America by Jeremy Adam Smith, yes, American, is right there in the name, and the article's by a white guy, that can't be right, examined a variety of studies on gun ownership, including 2017 study by sociologists at Baylor University titled Gun Culture in Action. The researchers created a gun empowerment scale to study the habits and create a profile of the average gun owner. Can't even make this up. High Capacity Rapid Fire Ordy is his hand name, and he tweeted this article. That's how I found it. And what he said is, look out, InfoWars. You've got some competition here. And that's true. Because of the root and the left would listen to gun advocates, one of the failures is that we don't enforce current laws. And as I've been saying forever, as Obama went to purge the prison systems because they were racist and shit, it was deeper than this. Ryan Saavedra, acting FBI director David Bodwich, says Obama's DOJ forced the deletion of 500,000 fugitives from the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, which is used to conduct background checks on gun buyers. He took the records of 500,000 black people and wiped them out. So, of course, they're not eligible to get guns, but they can. Because there's nothing going to come back from Nick's. So how is it the uneducated white deplorable's fault that the black god that you all love so much and was the greatest president ever made the system not work? What the fuck over? And this is the problem over and over and over. Crazies and bad people get guns because local governments who are too busy saying the red states are evil aren't doing their jobs. They're not prosecuting people for lying on 4473s. They're not prosecuting people when they find them with guns. And there's a president who would rather base all our laws on skin color. Seems racist to me, but what the fuck do I know? It is spilled over so bad, this left hate of regular Americans. Our last little thing is will and grace. This was actually on their last show that nobody watched. Tell me if this would ever happen for any other president. And tell me if this isn't starting a culture 
of hate thy neighbor. Good for you, and shame on you both. That man has insulted and degraded Latinos. Okay, honey, we're going to need a little less Cesar Chavez and a little more Ted Cruz. No, 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 no. Not we. I'm on your side. I'm you. How can you celebrate that man? He mocks the disabled. Okay, thanks for the wide bathrooms, but that's enough out of you. You're terrible people. And we terrible people have been shamed for too long. But Grace is taking a stand and I'm with her. Nope. Nope. She's not with me. I am not with her. I'm with the other her. I mean, I, I, I even wore a pantsuit to vote. I cried when he won. Me too. My dealer moved to D.C. <laughs> actions speak louder than words and your actions say that you're on his side. Okay, I, I get it from these two, but I am not taking it from, from a white guy. I'm transgender. Did not know that. <laughs> but anyway, you're still white, so stop coasting. <laughs> okay, can you please just do the right thing, which so feels like the wrong thing, and make the cake that we both eat? No. That is perfect 2018 in a nutshell. And it proves pretty much what I said through this entire show. The left has pushed their dogma in every form and fashion. There's levels of wokeness. But all along, it is those we do not agree with who must be demeaned. They're deplorables. They're uneducated. They're evil. We'll never have a national discussion when one side spends the whole time calling the rest of the country that doesn't agree with them deplorables. It was the most telling thing about that election that Hillary Clinton was just channeling the people that followed her. As read on a couple podcasts ago, it isn't about your God. It isn't about your guns. They just hate you. And that's pretty fucked up. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. There you see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. <clears throat> You'll also find on the episode release page a link to every episode. And on the blog page, my blog. The next podcast will be uh, no later than, and I didn't pull this up, the 23rd. Uh, my intent is to try to do it on the... I might take the 22nd completely off, and then we'll do it on the 22nd. So let's shoot for the 22nd, but 23rd. By the latest, and I'm hoping and by then, oh, shut up, Tony. It, it isn't going to change. It'll still be guns. You're a whole human being because you don't, don't live on the coast, and you need to change your whole life around somebody else's bullcrap. I hope you all have a very safe week as we go from spring to winter, back to spring to winter, back down here. I don't know what your weather's like, but it's pretty freaking crazy. Stay safe out there. 
get home each night, disconnect from your pods, pans, freaking Macs, everything. Put your freaking phone down. Talk to your family. It is a short ride. You got to make every day count. And you can't make it count when you're giving the freaking yeah gas to everybody around you. Be well, my friends. As always, I appreciate every one of you who listen to this podcast. Please take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.